Sludge Lords, and we're back. They said it couldn't be done. They thought we broke up. Oh, my God. We would never. After what we've been through? We've been through a lot. Our, our wives ravaged by large, veiny, muscular men. Our, our passports stamped with the Italian seal, making it clear that we have been out of the country together. Oh, welcome to Forenze. Yeah. We both heard that from some moustached wop. You pushed my niece in a stroller. You thought I was going to say, like, off a bridge. No, you pushed my niece in a stroller around the city of Florence at, like, midnight. And and for days afterward, my kid kept saying, Danny pushed Nelly in the stroller. (laughs) Glad she didn't relate any other stories. (laughs) I hate you. I hate how... It was always like your default joke. <laughs> well, I mean, you just said that I pushed your niece around the city in a stroller at midnight. Well, Where I else mean, am I going to go with that? You were there. Like, you were helping out. I thought it was nice. Uh, you, uh, this is a big reunion show. Could you look any more white trash right now? Well, you know what it is? I just had to do TMZ. And uh, when they said, like, yeah, like, meet us outside the McDonald's, I was just like, oh, sh- what am I going to wear? <laughs> and I looked at my closet. And I didn't really see anything, like, nice. And I had already been outside. It's like 95 degrees today. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do the white beater. And then it was so hot, even just sitting in my car that I was pouring sweat yeah. that I was like, okay, I'm glad that I did this. This, it's, this is good too. This will add to the illusion that your life is falling apart. Mm. It'll generate more press, more clicks, more money. That's why I was, I was like, man, I better like not be sweaty by the time TMZ gets me on camera. Because if I look sweaty, I'm going to look like I'm like falling apart as a result of this, this large man ravaging my woman i'm just gonna keep saying ravage that's gonna be my my verb of the day it's youtube adsense approved because you could be ravaging anything well i don't want to okay what else could you ravage besides lena's if you were definitely not one of your underage nieces (laughs) you one could ravage i mean all sorts of things you could ravage uh like the snack closet you could ravage the no jumper refrigerator which right. is probably right now stocked with tasty beverages bunch of white claws mm. that's the main thing white claws yeah i looked in it earlier just thinking like oh what's in here because once in a while I, I crave a black cherry white claw do you yeah what is that how's your health kick been going since you you got married mm. have you fallen off the wagon in a sense since all of this has happened with jason love and elena oh no that hasn't really affected my diet so much but i will say that i was doing pretty good like diet wise i was going hardcore and then you know like nine people left the channel and i started getting hit with a massive wave of accusations and all of a sudden my caloric deficit didn't seem as important sure. so i did kind of lose sight of that yeah but let me tell you i went to italy at 900 or 950 i'm not 900 pounds 215 pounds yeah and then i came back and i was 215 pounds which blew my mind into a million pieces because Mm. i ate everything under the sun Mm. while i was out there let's talk about this man have you talked about your wedding extensively because i feel like you and i were both there i don't know how many of the other hosts were at your ceremony we're Uh drinking after we're with you in italian restaurants filling our faces with ravioli i feel like there's a lot to cover before we get into the you know the the bbc stuff. no no totally yeah because i didn't really talk about the wedding that much because i don't think i have done any podcast with anyone who has been to the wedding so much so yeah if you want to talk about that, that that would be great here's one of my favorite memories from the trip i go up to adam maybe two minutes after you slid a ring on your wife's finger, uh-huh. and I go, uh, hey, man, just out of curiosity, how many women in attendance have you f-? 
And Adam, without missing a beat, not the least bit offended by the question, not looking over his shoulder to see who was going to overhear him, just goes, uh, yeah, I was actually counting when I was up there. I think about six or seven. Yeah. No, that's a factoid. Yeah, I was about six uh, or seven at the wedding. I, I counted and I saw about like six, I think. And, you know, realistically, there was a couple of uh, girls who kind of like called out at the last minute, which you, you, you that's a surprising thing about doing a wedding in Italy is that a surprisingly large percentage of people say that they're going to come yeah. and then just inform you that they're not going to come like a week or two weeks before. I'm not even talking about my side. I'm talking about her side because she invited a bunch of these girls that she's friends with and some of them like 100% said they were coming and then like a week and a half before they're just like oh actually we're not coming which is it's kind of wrecked havoc on uh the, the plans and just on the number of women you slept with in the pews i did not sleep with any women while i was out there i just want to sure, make that sure. perfectly clear beforehand yeah, yeah I, I will say though that leading up to your wedding that it really stressed me out, the idea that I was going to be flying to Italy. Right. A destination wedding is not something you can just take in stride. And I have a piece of material that we can review about this, and it's very in keeping with the fact that this is a comedy-adjacent podcast because I saw this clip the other day. I just thought about it. The way that Larry David sums up the whole nature of like going to somebody's wedding overseas is probably pretty relatable to anybody who's been. Hit it. This is really this is some great stuff. Why do I have no sound? How do I do how do I manage sound on here? Oh, look. I can see Adam is now manning the mic. He has lost patience that, uh, with the minions. Cousin oh, this is tomorrow is in the audience tonight. Oh, I fucked up. I, I, this is it. I say to my wife, we're going to a destination wedding. We should not give a present because my presence is my present. <clears throat> what do you say, Larry? First David? of all, where is the wedding? How far is it? <clears throat> Another country. Okay, you don't even go. <laughs> you don't go. You don't go. But it's a close family friend. I, I mean, don't care. I am not flying 14 hours on a plane. <laughs> exactly how many hours I'm I flew. I'm not going to do that. Everybody Even flew. if it's a nice destination where it's a nice hotel and you're set up? No, 14 hours on a plane, you, you can't even breathe. Come on. So w what would be the what the distance from your house that you would An hour consider? and a half by car. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. No plane. You didn't. You okay. Know, you don't get on planes for weddings. Right. Okay. Out of the question. So what yeah. do you put in the in the uh, on the RSVP? Do you write something to yeah. let them know? Can't can't uh, can't make it too far. <laughs> That's, it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And just leave it. Can't make it. You don't go, no follow up phone call. No follow up. Nothing. No. He I starts to break down. Uh, We're I, I saw a longer version before we was breaking it down. Like I'm gonna have to spend fifty thousand dollars to go to your wedding, which. His calculation includes like first class flights for like him and his wife and who knows how many handlers he has to move around with. Not to mention, you know, they're not exactly going to be staying in like a, a chintzy ass hotel. But I mean, that that when you really think about it, and that was kind of like a harsh realization for me was like, oh, dude, you look so shady right now. Really? I can take my shirt off. I'll do whatever. You want me to take the sunglasses off? Is this kind of gay? <laughs> I keep doing what you're doing. I love it, dude. I mean, it basically, <laughs> I realized at a certain point, like, oh, this is a massive commitment for a lot of the people that I wanted to come to my wedding and the only thing that was good on her side is the fact that all these OnlyFans girls are like rich so yeah. to them it's kind of whatever but a lot of my friends are like BMX riders podcast yes. you know it's, 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 a, it's a way different ball game so let me say this I was really stressed about this wedding for a couple reasons financially and also I had to get my passport done mm. last last minute mm -hmm. Adam was remarkably generous Adam took care of my airfare and there were an array of 
not just one place to stay, an array of beautiful places to stay for all of the wedding guests mm. in Italy. We had a bunch of different Airbnbs booked, basically. And that's very interesting that you mentioned that because I, I now, my, my wife's assistant has a black mark, no pun intended, on her Airbnb account because a certain Daniel Mullen was drunk and apparently trashed the hotel to some extent. This is what I was told. This was like two months ago that they told me this, and I haven't mentioned it to you until now. Okay, these are absurd <laughs> accusations. I don't know if you're fucking with me right now. No, this is what they told me, and I just didn't mention it until now. Okay, so I trashed nothing, mm. and you all of my drunkenness at that wedding was recorded and posted on my YouTube channel. Mm. So the idea that I got fucked up and thrashed anything is absurd. Do you... Do I believe women? Yes. So when they told me that you did this, I... Assume that they were telling the truth. I believe all women. You got to do it. That's what we learned in 2017. What would happen if if we didn't do that? Which Airbnb got thrashed and what did Daniel Mullen allegedly do? I didn't see any of the Airbnbs and I'm going to have to like get more information from. uh, Actually, that's a good idea. Let's call her. Let's see what she has to say. (laughs) Because I think I would love to hear her version of it. Oh, yes. This is so good. This is um, going to be so confused about where I'm calling her. This is horseshit. I was so well behaved that entire trip. Tell it to the judge. What's her name? Monica. Okay. Well, Monica's, she's going to get an earful right Monica's now. Monica's a star now. She's going to be on Sledge Lord. She has no idea. We're going to say Sledge Lord's featuring Monica. One of your sketchy BMX buddies who's used to committing crimes and blaming other people definitely was the one who attached my God damn. Yeah. I can't even get figures. Can't get respect from the assistant. Figures. Yeah, Monica doesn't want to answer when these things actually come to light. Hard times. My girl just sent me a picture of the kid and said, come back and hang out with us. No respect for Sledge Lords. What's going on? She thinks this is a joke of a program. I'm not going to come hang out with you and that measly child. Absolutely not, bro. I'm going to stay here and pod. We're broing down right now. I'll send her a voice voice note. Listen up, bitch. I'm doing a podcast. I I like it. Fuck you. That's the kind of voice note you'd expect to come from somebody dressed as yourself. That was a joke. I didn't really do that. But um, yeah, so overall, ate a lot of gelato, had some, some, a lot of good pasta, a lot of good cheese. Had a great time out there in Italy, let me tell you. The best meal I had was that final night meal. You like that? Yeah, where there's just some, just a caricature of an Italian guy. Like a Venice Beach caricature artist drawing of a dude who talks with his hands, explaining all the courses. Mm -hmm. You can actually see him becoming erect as he describes the entrees to the table. As he charges us $900 for a bunch of plates of pasta or whatever the fuck that was. Was that only $900? I figured it was going to be a lot more. I don't know, but it was like 15 people or something, so it's not that out of line. But (laughs) that's funny that you mentioned that spot because my girl was talking about how she actually thought the worst meal that she had the whole time was that spot. Which, that was the only spot that I think we went to that wasn't either, like, planned out by the travel agent. Like, that was very impromptu that we chose that spot. Yeah, my last night there. I thought it was quite good as well, but a large percentage of the places we went the rest of the trip. Because, okay, keep in mind, we were together in Florence, and then the the wedding was in Tuscany. Then me and Lena leave there. We go to the Amalfi Coast. We spend time in Ravello and Capri, for anyone who knows about these types of things. Then we go to Barcelona. And then we go to Mallorca, which is this other uh, part of Spain. And then we go to uh, Saint Saint Tropez, and then we go to Cannes, where mm-hmm. they do the film festival. Yeah, so yeah. we our whole trip was like a month long. Yeah, hit a ton of different spots. So for me, 
Florence was just this one little tiny chunk of it. And it was like the most urban, I guess, besides Barcelona as well. Because a lot of the time that we spent there was not like in like big city centers sure. like that. Florence is very commercial. Yeah, it was weird, right? You almost feel like you're at the Venetian in Las Vegas. Yeah. There was literally an Apple store. And they've done a lot to make it seem like when you're in Vegas, they do a lot to make it seem like you're in a small Italian village for yes. some reason. But yeah, it was crazy. Like there, there was one night where Danny was supposed to come meet us for food. Like we got a, a restaurant, me and all the guys from the other side of the wedding party and everything. So it's like it was a bunch of dudes there that I don't even know them. And uh, we're all at this restaurant and Danny, like we, we have no service in the actual restaurant because we're downstairs and every time we go up to smoke Danny informs us that basically he's trying to get an Uber and he's not going to be able to make it to this big yes. guy's dinner because you just could not figure out the Uber situation. Yeah. I, I stayed not at your one of your Airbnbs. You had generously provided plenty of Airbnbs, so many bedrooms. I stayed though because I landed on the plane with Sky Bree and her boyfriend. I just took the first available Uber ride because I was so disoriented. I had no idea where I was to their OnlyFans slash porn Airbnb in the countryside. Mm -hmm. Beautiful Airbnb filled with really hot chicks and their squires. Yeah, where you, you hijacked Skybreeze's boyfriend and, and made a vlog with him. I did. Yeah, yeah. Respectable. And then I face fucked him. Oh, that's hot. No apologies here. Yeah. That's something I want to talk about too. Was, if you can't fuck Sky Bree, you got to fuck her boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 some of her fucking pussy juice might be in his mouth. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's yeah. basically like, like I fucked her in the pussy. <laughs> that was me licking her bottom lip to try to, or his bottom lip to try to get a little bit of her, her juices. Yeah. Yeah. It's not being Eskimo brothers. It's maybe like being, I don't know, like Siberian brothers. Schmegma brothers. There we are. Schmegma is like juice that oozes out of your penis hole, right? Yeah. It's mostly uncircumcised men. That, so yeah. Oh, no, it's like the cheese that's under your uncircumcised cock, yeah, right? Shout out Leo Dottavio. Yeah. My he's other. got schmegma? He, well, he's uncircumcised, so we can only assume. I wish we had called the schmegma lords. <laughs> That'd um, be, but one thing, <laughs> we wanted to talk about this. I remember bringing this up our first night was all of the porn boyfriends mm. and how interesting of a phenomenon that was. Yes. Because it wasn't just Skybury. Kazumi's got Christian, who's an awesome guy. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of other girls. There was one chick in particular who had a uh, a porn boyfriend. And I asked you about him. And you were just like, dude, every time I see this broad, she's got a new dude. <laughs> I can't even remember which one I was talking about, probably. She sexually assaulted you on the dance floor, this chick. Oh, she showed me her vagina real quick? I didn't see that, but I saw a random porn girl on the dance floor. I think I was the only person who saw it. Run up to Adam slap him on the ass real hard mm. and then Adam just go like this and walk away back to his business. They love to objectify me. No, but this they one did. porn star, star chick that you're talking about who I won't name because she's probably in between boyfriends already. She like is kind of probably like a little drunk and she's like sitting on one of the, the seats at the at the wedding at the after party thing at the dinner actually and she's like I, I like lock eyes with her and she just goes it throws both legs up in a skirt fully see like her vagina through uh, whatever and her fucking boyfriend is like sitting right next to her and he just goes and like grabs her legs and closes them together so i'm not gonna be able to scope her vagina and i'm just thinking like i have fucked her raw like four times like what are you doing what do you damn. think you're preventing here damn i'm not certain we're talking about the same woman the behavior sounds in line though. yes yeah but no i mean the life of a porn boyfriend think about kazumi's dude you you get disrespected in the sense that she only posts you as her on her close friends yeah but you get respected in the sense that you get 
infinite vagina. Yeah. You get to stay in the nicest. I don't know what his financial situation is, but you get to stay at the nicest hotels. You get to fly first class. You get to do whatever. Realistically, you get a lot of downtime while your girl's off getting gangbanged during the <laughs> afternoon. You know, you got nine hours to do whatever the fuck you want and <laughs> chill by the pool. Go probably hunt down some vagina of your own, you know, yeah, like whatever yeah. you feel like doing. And all you got to do is sort of just tolerate her swallowing a few nuts throughout the day. I mean, it seems like a pretty good deal, depending on what you have going on, though, because if you really got like a career and stuff, you probably aren't really like in the position to be Kazumi's boyfriend if you need to be in the office 50 hours a week. Sure. There's you know? a lot of orgies. There's a lot of late night parties. Yeah. That you have to yeah. attend as the porn star's boyfriend. Yeah, you like have to probably. You yeah. have to. Yeah. So this girl in Australia, this Australian chick that was in the Airbnb with us. Ends up, I guess, getting fucked in a first-class cabin on her flight over to the Airbnb in right. Italy. With, with this guy that she had just met in the, like, while she's waiting for a flight, she meets this dude, and she, had, she I guess, hadn't been in first class. So she goes up to, to the first-class part and ends up banging him in the little nook thing. And I'm thinking when she's telling me the story, I'm thinking that she fucked this guy in the bathroom. And then I'm realizing, like, oh, no, he had the first-class, like, thing that I've seen in yeah. Casey Neistat videos where you can kind of, yeah. like, close the door and everything. So I was pretty impressed by her her whoredom expressed in that tale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's impressive, you got to say. Yeah. Yeah, those those uh, first-class cabins, they're, like, they're reserved for Casey Neistat and uh, hookers who are being flown to Dubai. Mm, yeah. I would love to live that lifestyle. I heard it's, like, at least ten grand if you want to fly first-class to Dubai. Well, if you see a girl on Instagram with Dubai as the geotag, I mean— why do they? Why are they self-identifying themselves as prostitutes? Yeah, I was watching a video where uh, Sneeko was actually doing like a a dating show type thing that yeah. that girl Pearl had sort of organized, and he's talking to a girl, and she says, uh, "Yeah, you know, I, I was working in Dubai for a while," and he just immediately is like, "Oh my god!" Like, and she's like, "No, no, not like that!" Like, it's so well known that when she says that she spent time in Dubai, that he assumes that this means that she was eating camel shit for money. Yes, and uh, <laughs> you know, part of me assumed the same exact thing. It was almost very predictable when he spit that joke out. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's a safe assumption, and mm. it, it just seems to me like doesn't that crack down? Because if you're an Instagram escort, it seems like you want to maximize the quality and quantity of your jobs. Mm. And it seems like you would wipe a lot of business out automatically when you tag yourself in Dubai. Mm. Or maybe the really high-end clientele doesn't give a fuck that you're a filthy hooker being having your mouth shit in by fucking princes there's probably like when you get flown out there though there probably is a lot of like regular sex with sheiks and princes and, yeah. and oil barons and whatnot uh -huh. it's probably not all camel dick sucking but i also assume that there probably is a fair amount of camel dick sucking yeah they're like you know they're, they're making you do some freaky shit from time to time but you know a lot of the real baddies Probably are sticking to their normal morals and they're not, you know, partaking. Are they? Uh, I mean, are they? I don't know. I mean, you know. Are they? Dude, I mean, like, we, we like to think that stuff, but... Uh, so I, I forget if we've talked about this. It's been so long since we've done this show, but I've heard confirmed from a very credible source that a woman went out there and was paid 80 grand to have her mouth shit in by a Sikh or a Sheik or whatever, a guy a who's dressed like a wizard. Mm. Uh a guy who's dressed like a fucking whatever, like he's in Aladdin still, and uh, she has to How's swallow. How's a history degree for the record? And I took, I had a minor in Middle Eastern history, and this is how fucking ignorant I am. 
Yeah, I respect it. Uh, that's my dedication to the to the poontang pursuit at UCLA. No, that's for sure, there's a lot of girls eating shit. There's no denying that. Yeah. Yeah, she had to swallow the shit, and that was like like her 80k. The check wouldn't be signed unless there was like there was a swallow reflex. You know, you're making me want to do a little Google in here, like uh, Dubai escorts. We're going to search that on YouTube and see what comes up. Tristan Tate talks about Dubai's escorts. Tristan Tate has been trying to talk some sense into me uh, about me uh, and my porn lifestyle. Hey, by the way, congrats on fucking Tucker and Tate weighing in on your... That was amazing, dude. Could you believe that? You know what my favorite, fuck, my favorite coverage of that incident was when you first broke the news to Crip Mac and Destiny? Oh, my God. Can you believe Fraga? I chose them as the first people to be my uh, sounding board for it? Destiny is actually like a great option because yes. he's actually got a polyamorous relationship. But Crip Mac, like the first part, he goes, I know you was mad, huh? <laughs> he like fully like takes the reins of the narrative. But uh, yeah, okay, where were we? Let's, let's try to stay uh, a little bit orderly but, here. So you, sure, were fuck, sure. you were eating camel shit in first class. This is what I remember. Um, well, we were so that these girls they were staying at the the porn Airbnb, oh, and point. I couldn't get a cab to you guys. Mm. And the the porn chicks and the OnlyFans girls are um, I don't know they're like female pit bulls. Mm. It's not long before there's infighting going on and like blowouts uh, I heard and something chicks about this, yeah. are leaving and getting their own hotel rooms. So the vibes there, dude. It's I mean it is a beautiful countryside Airbnb, mm. the kind of house that if it was in L.A. would cost twenty million dollars. Yeah, gorgeous. But quickly the vibes turn dark, and in Italy everybody just sort of works three hours a day at a coffee shop. Right. That laissez-faire attitude filters down into the cab drivers as well. Mm. So you like you start calling these cab services and when they hear you don't speak Italian they just hang up on you because they're too lazy to call for somebody who speaks English. Yeah, definitely. And uh there there's like a, a, a an attitude towards going out to eat where they are so not in a hurry. And yeah. some of these restaurants have, you know, enough seating for maybe like 20, 30, 40 people. They're not huge restaurants and they're very popular. And they still are basically like creating an environment where it will take you three hours to get through dinner. Yeah. Because they're going to bring out multiple courses. They're not in a hurry at all to bring out the courses. They're not in a hurry to bring you your menu at first. In America, everybody's acting in their own best interest and like really trying to get your ass fed and out of there, both because you want that and because it makes more sense for the business. There's just an attitude towards capitalism out there that just has not sunk in. And it just made me feel like if everything goes wrong in my life, I can just move to Europe and just run literally any business dramatically better than it is being run mm -hmm. right now because everyone out there is just acting as if they're not trying to make money. Mm hmm so yeah maybe no, i'll do that absolutely i mean it, it's like an nba player going and playing pickup ball it wouldn't matter you could work at a, you could run a coffee shop it would be like so you have no experience you're in the nba fun. and you practice like an hour a week it's like the way <laughs> that they're operating out there because they just don't seem to have any sort of sense of urgency yeah in terms of uh you know doing business mm -hmm. but yeah okay so when we were going up and uh the the night that you weren't that you didn't make it to the restaurant there was a. Uh, the uh, thing that was happening because there's like a nightclub around the corner and so we're seeing these fleets of like 20 hot 20 something like like young like early 20s chicks uh. moving as a unit maybe like eight to ten of them sometimes bigger like 15 20 girls and they're all just coming down the street and you know we're all looking at them just thinking like wow look at all these hot ass italian chicks and then as they get closer and closer 
you realize that their accents are like that of a woman who lives in Detroit or was yeah. brought up in Ohio or whatever because it's such a touristy place and so many young people go out there for college or whatever that like you know we're just expecting to see some like real young Italian talent walking by and no. it's all American chicks and we're and, and we got caught a couple of times because we'd be talking about them without realizing they were American uh -huh. and then they would just shoot us the look like we know exactly what the fuck you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah no, I that happened to me a couple of times there was a girl who walked by and I was like, holy shit, this girl could be my future wife. Right. And I actually, I had a lot of confidence going because I had just gone and shot a solo GoPro bit at the David Museum where I'd like blown it out and caused a huge scene. And which Josh and his wife, who is my sister, and his two young kids were all there and they all got to witness Danny screaming about how the David's penis was too small. Now picture that, like that's kind of, you know, standard YouTube prankster type stuff that you might do, but picture like a nine, I think his, his oldest is nine years old and the other kid is like six or something or seven. And they're witnessing this and just like to them, this is like the thing that they probably think is like the funniest thing in the world, but it's also the thing that they've been told their whole life that you're like not allowed to do. You're not allowed to scream jokes about penises in a proper place like a museum. Yeah. And Danny, from their perspective, seems like a, a talented adult, like a guy who's got like a cool career, or like some cool stuff That's going right. on. And all of a sudden they're seeing you do this. And in their mind, it's starting to make sense. Like, oh, I could have a career screaming about penises in a museum. And that, I think, was probably like a, a revelatory moment for his kids. Well, they're all welcome. <laughs> they got to see Michelangelo's masterpiece, The David, with on a little dick. With a little dick. And they got to see the Michelangelo of YouTube, also with a little dick, working his magic. Life. I don't know if they've actually started watching your YouTube videos because I know that oh, they, they, got, they got turned on to Mr. Beast a couple months oh, ago. No. So like that that's funny to me that like that, but, now they have the uh, the archetype of a YouTuber ingrained into their brain and they're probably thinking like oh like this is just another YouTuber but where Mr Beast does good Danny <laughs> Mullen is evil <laughs> and yells about penises in the Louvre. Listen, hey, Michelangelo, dude. I didn't make he, it to the Louvre. It wasn't the Louvre. The Louvre is in France. Oh, well, this was. I didn't make it there either. Yeah, this was. It's basically all they have on display. This place is the David, which is actually a cool statue. While before the blowout happened, I was actually listening to our tour guide describe it. There's a lot more that went into the David than just it's a guy with a little cock standing there. What what, what did go into it that you remember? So there's um there's a lot of shit going on. Like depending on which side of the David you're standing on, his facial expression morphs. There's an optical illusion in effect that makes him, his facial expression from the front is very self-assured, and that is where a Goliath would be viewing him from, but then if you look at him from different points of views, there's a lot of fear in his face, and this was all intentional. His right hand is slightly enlarged to signify the hand of God. Really? Things like this. Like a lot of hit, there's a lot of Easter eggs, if you will, in the David. <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of hocus pocus to me. Like this That's is what it. happened at a time where they just like weren't creating enough art. Like when you watch a, a new sitcom on Hulu, there's just not enough time for these sort of Easter eggs to be embedded in the final product. So we get things that don't have that kind of depth. The same way that like if you were to listen to one of these old ass Jay-Z or Nas albums or whatever, you're gonna be able to pick out all if you were to listen to it over and over, if you were to talk to like a an ex 
expert on this stuff, you would probably be able to pick out a lot of different things that they're doing lyrically yeah. that are very, very complicated. And now when you listen to rap, these guys just sort of go in the booth and just rap and they just don't have any sort of taste sure. or understanding of making the product that intricate. And it's funny how that has really applied to this as well. Everything. I mean, that's the story of our world now. It's like it used to be comedians, their specials would take them five, ten years to develop. Right. And now, like, the new thing is just crowd work clips. That's how you get huge. Yeah, just and when I, when I uh, hear comedians say that they spend a year or two just making a bit, I'm just like, or like a special, I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? I cannot imagine spending that long or how mm -hmm. it takes that long. I believe them because I've heard enough of them talk yeah. about it. But it does sound like a sort of ludicrous amount of time when the end product is just sort of them going out there and complaining about cancel culture and, <laughs> and saying something about the kids these days and their pronouns. Like, yeah, I yeah. feel like so many of the biggest comedians are basically just doing this like bad dad style comedy of just being like shocked by the world around them. Mm -hmm. And even, and I'll, I'll throw that on like, even like Dave Chappelle or, or Chris Rock or whatever, like they, they do it too. Like there's a lot of like dudes who are considered to be elite comedians that when I listen to them, I'm like, these are jokes that I heard on Twitter like many years ago. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough, man. There are so many people. Uh, there are so many people doing comedy now and like the same subjects of discussion have come up in so many different forums that being truly original, especially if you're tackling a subject like transgenderism or wokeness, chances are you're going to bite somebody else's stuff yeah which is why i don't really take seriously there used to be joke the joke thefts mm. were a huge deal the carlos mencia amy schumer got accused of it but now after doing actual real stand-up for a while i've started to see how easy it is to think parallel to another comedian who came before you I was just watching a Dane Cook bit from 1995 that I'd never fucking seen before. Mm -hmm. And one of his jokes was remarkably similar to a joke that I started doing. Really? Like, basically, it works in the exact same way. Mm. And there's no way I ever would have seen that joke before. I watched a uh, YouTube video about the fa it was a it was about an interview that I think Bobby Lee did with uh, Carlos Mencia where he was really pushing to get Carlos to admit that he had stolen jokes yeah. and that he had done something wrong at that time period in his life, and he was completely unwilling to waver on it. And I think it was Bobby Lee. He ended up getting like very, very frustrated. But I have that fear even on this podcast that in you know my my stoned uh, mind state, like late at night, 11 p.m., 12 p.m., I'm watching some random YouTube clip while I'm playing poker or whatever. I'm like halfway paying attention and I'm going to hear some witty observation, not barely even like process it in my yeah. brain, but then I'm going to come on here the next day or a week or two later. I'm going to say the exact same thing. This has never actually happened to me, but it does seem quite likely. Well, the good thing about this is it's so disposable that everybody yeah. would give you a pass on that. Yeah. Whereas if you're on Netflix and this is your big moment yeah. and you're doing something unoriginal, it's a way bigger foul. I know. Get this, though. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. So I've been reading the New Testament of the Bible. Wow. And Sorry. the Jews, it is insane like all the how authors of the are. New Testament, it is insane how poorly the Jews are treated in this text. Really? Yes. Like Jesus, the Jesus part of the Bible is like the nicest part of the Bible. Uh -huh. Jesus, like all of his shit is awesome. He's a pretty nice guy. He accepts everybody. And so you read the Old Testament and now you're on to the new? I've read Genesis and Exodus, not the whole Old Testament, but then I flipped ahead to the Jesus part. Okay. But now there's this dude, Paul 
who kind of like takes over and is like, now that Jesus is gone, it's my time to run the fucking show. Mm. And uh, he goes to Rome and he starts writing this book called Romans. And every other paragraph is just like fucking Jews. <sighs> There's those fucking circumcised pieces of shit. If they don't love God, they're going to hell. It doesn't matter if they don't believe it. And it just made me realize like the Jews by crucifying Jesus chose a very formidable foe mm. and they have paid for it for 2000 years since likewise carlos mencia in 2005 or 6 or whenever that happened probably didn't think it was a big deal that this fucking backwards hat fucking <laughs> roided up humper. dude yeah stool humper <laughs> was hopping up accusing him of joke theft but then rogan becomes like the messiah mm. of the modern day media but world. But that torched his fucking career even before Joe Rogan became what Joe Rogan went on to become. You yeah. know, Joe Rogan was already like pretty relevant at that time as an actor and a comedian, and it was enough to do serious damage to his career. And from Carl, what I saw with Carlos Mencia, I mean, his career was fucking destroyed yeah. by that. Like to an extent where you kind of feel bad for him. Yes. But the fact that he doesn't take any sort of ownership about it, yeah. that you know, you kind of don't feel bad about it, right? So I, I totally agree with you. Like all of his comments are still on his videos, like joke thief, joke thief, mm. menstelia. That's why I wonder if all the comments on my videos are still going to say stuff about me being a cuck like a few years from now, or is that just a now thing? Because keep in mind on social media, and I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but on social media, it's all about engagement. If you do a TikTok and you get a thousand comments within the first hour, then that's very, very good from the algorithm's point of view. It doesn't matter that I just posted a Kendama clip and it has a thousand comments calling me a cuck. <laughs> from the algorithm's point of view, this is still very, very good and they're going to push that content. It's going to get way more views. So it's kind of a weird state that I'm living in right now. I think depending on how... So you have gone through some hardships this year and you've just handled it like a fucking champ. Like the business is it's blowing... Times. Like you're you're doing great. I think the problem with Carlos, who I really respect and I think is an an, an insanely talented comedian, mm. amazing comedian actually. I think he let the Joe Rogan thing destroy him. Mm. After that, he didn't really you didn't hear much about Carlos. He, he kind of let himself retire after that happened, which gave Joe the last word. I think I remember him saying that in that video I watched about him where he basically, like, instead of coming out with a strong counter narrative and really making his point clear, which is what I would recommend someone do in, in that sort of situation, he kind of just went quiet and thought, like, oh, I'm going to be the bigger man. Yeah. You don't really have that much of an option of doing that. And it's, but like, to me, the joke stealing thing is, like, if you could just do some really killer jokes and not steal them, the yeah. fans at some point are probably going to forgive you. But don't yes, you think 100%. It, it was also a situation where his style of comedy and him behaving like a Mexican stereotype and everything that that itself was already sort of maybe wearing on people. Like sure. it was already kind of starting to seem lame where comedy's core was getting a little bit more irreverent. And that character just seemed kind of corny to people. This and we're getting a little bit into the weeds here, but just that guy, though. So I, a, a couple quick anecdotes on the show Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn, who featured just a murderer's row of the best, most vicious New York City comics that New York City had to offer in the early 2000s. Patrice O'Neill, Jim Norton, Nick DiPaolo, Colin Quinn, the best of the best and also the meanest and the best at shit talking comedians in the world. They're all on there. And Carlos Mencia fucking destroys, mm. which like the most intimidating atmosphere, no material, just riffing kills it. There's also a story on the Opie and Anthony traveling virus tour 
which Bill Burr famously got booed off stage and did the Philly rant, which kind of made him a legend. You know about that, right? Oh, I, I've watched a YouTube video about that as well. Yes, yeah. I do know exactly what you're talking about. So I guess Carlos was getting booed at that same tour, and he was the only guy to go out there and just win the crowd over. Mm. Just completely change 10,000 minds, 10,000 drunk, cheesesteak-eating fucking white dudes. Will Smith fans. Is yeah, it, he's from Philly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, that makes sense to me. Yeah, all right. Um, hey, do, I, my buddy's here. My, you might want like appreciate man. Who's your buddy? Uh, my he's gonna film a Patreon vlog with me after this. Oh, okay, okay. Where are you gonna do that? Uh, around the streets of uh, Los Angeles. Really? Yeah. You gonna go to the the Glendale Unified School District meeting? <laughs> That's what I was trying to. I was hitting you up trying to tell you to go to that. Dude, uh, we we gambled incorrectly. We we went to the Dodgers Pride Night, mm. which there was there was a big protesting contingent there, right, yeah. but there wasn't violence like there was with the Armenian families protesting the Pride Assembly. Because some of Lena's like not her actual family members, but people that I've met through going to family gatherings of hers, yeah, are or were going to Glendale school board meetings and just raising hell and accusing yeah. the the school board of basically like forcing transgenderism and, and gay rights upon uh upon uh the the children and so i'm sitting there in this fucking fancy ass five-star hotel just like on my phone watching all this stuff play yeah, out yeah. on my phone and it's fucking insane and still to this day i can't really tell if the things that they're so angry about were actually occurring yeah you know it's, it's kinda, hard to know it's hard to tell if they really are trying to indoctrinate the kids into transgenderism uh -huh. or if the 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 angry armenian families are basically just taking the fact that um They've basically like, you know, held like their version of it is no, there was a gay pride event at one of these Glendale schools that was optional and yes. after school and it was a gay pride event and it was never mandatory. Yeah. Which when I hear that, I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't sound like a big deal at all. The same way when you really dig in on the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light thing. They weren't selling cans with this trans person on it. Yeah. They made one decorative Bud Light can and mailed it to her. Yeah. Which I've seen, honestly, a lot of brands do this where they'll send you like a, a Gatorade bottle with like a, a packaging that like, you know, has your face on it or something. Not like sure. I've ever gotten this, but I've like seen other people get it. And it's like when you look at that, the idea that Bud Light has lost like a huge percentage of their market share as a result of this is kind of like impossible to imagine. I think it was less about Bud Light and more about generally how every television show and film now has to have an LGBTQ plus subplot, how your employer is making you have your pronouns in your email bio. Uh -huh. It was a general backlash against that. Yeah. And I do think that some of the accusations, the right levels at the left about what's going on in schools is um, sort of accurate. Mm. I mean, when we were up in San Francisco recently, we were shooting a, a Bud Light parody pitch meeting where we brought in a bunch of San Francisco locals. We said we were with an ad agency that was doing the next Bud Light ad. This is out? This is out. Oh, I don't think I saw this one. And behind the scenes, we had a black lady from liberal San Francisco who you assume is going to like you know be liberal too. And when the cameras were off, she was telling us about how one of her daughters, who's eight years old, 
came home and was like spouting out a bunch of LGBT propaganda really? that she had been that she had picked up in school from the teachers. And this black San Franciscan woman was complaining about it. Like my daughter is way too young to be indoctrinated by this stuff. Right. And this lady had no agenda. The cameras were off. We weren't talking about any of this. So I think that's more what the Bud Light thing was about. And I think it worked. Mm. Um, a, a couple of things have happened recently. So, you know, BlackRock, the like the largest private asset holder in America that just owns everything. Every house and stuff, right? Yes, yeah. every house they own, like they invest in every company. They were the, the the motor behind ESG, which basically says that like we're not going to invest in your company unless you can demonstrate that you're diverse and right. doing shit to forward progressive causes. They've, they've gone back on that. Their CEO has been like, that was a mistake. Really? Hollywood just fired a ton of its diversity uh, and equity chair people i saw that yeah so i i think which i kind of liked it just because not that it, it it bothered my life not that anybody was like coming into my house with a fucking uh, a, a bottle of estrogen saying hey try some of these pills <laughs> Shoot this in your house, damn yeah but it just like i didn't i don't like propaganda of any kind and i don't like any social pressure that uh, inter, that infringes upon my right to express my mind i like the pendulum swimming swinging back a bit because yeah. you know who chris hayes is no he's a uh, liberal dickhead and he like is always on twitter or whatever you, you recognize the him. shades go back on adam's getting sketchy here again well, I, just, lights are so bright. I, like <laughs> I love it dude you're not wearing a belt either you're like I sagging your shorts because i put them on this guy you don't recognize him um, I, I've probably seen his work somewhere. Okay, so I'm yeah, I'm I'm looking at Twitter and there is a video of uh you know a bunch of protesters basically and they're outside of a restaurant and this all happened during 2020 mm -hmm. and they're all up in the faces of the people who are eating outside at the restaurant. I've seen similar clips, if not that one. And they're telling everybody to put their fists up for you know whatever, like to stop racial injustice or whatever. Yeah. And there's like one lady who won't do it, so they crowd around her and they're all screaming Black Lives matter slogans in her face yeah and she's like borderline crying or whatever and this guy had a tweet the other day because like somebody basically was saying on twitter do you remember in 2020 when nobody had the courage within like the liberal world to to stand up against this kind of thing and say that it was wrong and he had the nerve to say most of the liberals that i am around would have agreed at the time that this was wrong I was on Twitter probably more than I've ever been on Twitter in my entire life during yeah. that time period. And that is such bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was willing to take a stand against that kind of thing. No. And if you did, you would have been called a hate monger. I was a coward as well. I didn't say the kind of things that I want. I actually wanted to say about sure. how horrible people were treating each other at that time because of the fact that I didn't want to become the next target of the fucking mob. And I did make it through 2020 pretty uh, valiantly without getting dragged <laughs> under the bus uh, or thrown under the bus. Well, it, it was confusing too. Like it, whenever something is fresh and all the facts aren't out yet, yeah. you're still making sense of it. So I wouldn't have expected anybody to take a bold, potentially career-ending stance right away. Right. Because sometimes that, like, I mean, there's a chance that you could have been, in retrospect, those people were fucking douchebags doing that. Um, the, the George Floyd situation was a little bit more complicated than originally the media had made it out to be. Mm -hmm. um, but even if you had said that. Exactly. Even if you said yeah. the George Floyd situation is a little bit more complicated than people are acting. Yeah. Eh, like, right. you would have been treated as if you were Richard Spencer. 100%. Which still to this day, I mean, I did a debate with Destiny and Richard Spencer and Rolling Stone has written multiple hit pieces about me because of the fact that I had the gall to platform somebody who in the past 
past has made racist statements. Well, now you open your marriage to black men. Yeah, so yeah, kind of. <laughs> I did that to show Richard Spencer. That he, <laughs> you got it all wrong, buddy. Dude, you know <laughs> these my, guys are all right. <laughs> I, my favorite thing about the revelation interview you did with Crip Mac and with Flacco right. is from that. My biggest takeaway was that the only people who are afraid of black men with huge cocks banging their chicks more than me are black men. Mm. other black men mm. like Flacco it, Flacco's transcript from that podcast if it was attributed to a white man <laughs> that guy would be not allowed to exist in oh society anymore the way he was talking about like a black man just leaving like a stench on a woman <laughs> and a I'm kind of like do you not get how racist that sounds? And that is one thing I will say is that I feel like I understand the plight of the black American far better than I've ever would have before because my DMs have been filled with so much blatant racism. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever really got DMs yeah. with the hard R the wow. way that I have over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. It has just been absurd the number of people who show up in my DMs with straight, it looks like clan <laughs> uh, like propaganda. It's unreal. Well, I mean, Flacco was kind of leading the pack on that. He, he said, yeah. quote, like he said, the stench of black men, but he also said uh, he'd be terrified of a 20-inch Tyrone with nothing going on in his life. Right. And if, having if, sex with your chick. You remove, if you put those exact sentences coming out of Nick Fuentes' mouth, <laughs> it's like the most racist thing you ever heard, but somehow it's Flacco, so it doesn't really get treated that way i don't know it, it was kind of refreshing though to like hear like okay every race is afraid of a guy with a giant cock having sex with their chick and i think that's what it is and maybe flacco was like trying to rationalize it in his head mm -hmm. making it about the guy's employment status and height right it's really just fear of a giant cock and right? that, that's one thing i've kind of realized through this whole thing is that like because she almost shot that scene with a white guy, with a white male performer. It was know? me. We were in talks about it beforehand, everybody. we can. We it was a, it a famous now. white male porn star. Danny and, D? Uh, no comment. But she was going to shoot with this one guy. Didn't really work out. you know. So she was talking to Jason Love at the same time. He ends up doing it. I am so thankful that she did it with a black dude because it was so much more controversial and so much more viral. Yes. I feel like it might have got like... 20% of the attention that it actually got if it had been a white guy. If it was like Jordi El Nino. Or... Because that shit is just like, it really does hit at like the most deep-seated insecurity in a lot of people. And I'm not saying that like people are being unreasonable for being insecure about the fact that there are guys out there with giant dicks because for sure at first at least I was a little troubled by the fact that this guy had reupholstered the inside of my <laughs> wife's vagina but at the end of the day you know I'm able to handle it I think the fact that I've done this many threesome scenes with her or whatever I'm able to sort of rationalize it away and it's not that big a deal to me but man like i'm really seeing it like the fact that i've gotten the most feedback on this that i've ever gotten on anything this is the most viral i've ever been about anything ever it really tells me that without realizing it we hit on like one of the most fundamental things that people that, that the human race is worried about or cares about yeah and i actually i was talking to a friend of uh lena's the other day and she said that she was seeing this guy and that the sex was okay. And then the guy sees the Lena and Jason sex tape. She hangs out with him that night, like last night. And the guy tried to bust all the same moves that Jason did in the fucking scene with her. Uh -huh. So like, she's not even a porn star. And he, but that's this guy. Sees Is the guy it. white or black? 
Uh, I think he's white, as far as I know. Okay. But he's he clearly was like influenced by this tape. So, and this is one thing this I constantly—it's like the Velvet Underground, dude. It's you know, change everything. An influential fucking moment in pornography but now. There's like this is one thing that I now I always hear from porn girls. They always say that when they start to date a dude for the first time and they start to get more comfortable around each other or whatever, the guy will always say something about like, oh, well, you fuck these giant black dicks or yada yada, and like clearly like they feel very yeah. inferior about knowing that they're that this woman has slept with guys with humongous dicks which again totally understandable because it's the, an obvious thing i mean it's, it's one of the weirdest things you could think of that you know all of us we're kind of like similar looking if you were to line us all up everybody then, in this room is remarkably similar looking yeah it's a room full of white trash but yeah. like you know then our penises if we were to get erect you would be able to notice some very interesting discrepancies. And then especially when you trot out a seven-foot-tall black guy, then you're really going to be thinking, like, oh, that's a very different size than yeah. Daniel Mullen over here or whatever. Fuck you, you know? dude. Yeah. Why is <laughs> no, my name? I said that to like multiple times, like, uh, in the lead-up to the scene or, or after it happened and stuff. I'm like, you know that this is, like, Danny Mullen's worst fear. Like, he lives in fear of a black penis penetrating his woman. Can I... I, that is my thoughts on on how your mind works. I want to get deep right now for a second. Let's get deep. Because while you've been going through this uh, emotional gauntlet <laughs> okay. with Jason Love and your <laughs> and your wife, which has paid off fabulously, by the way. My yeah. sister texted me yesterday about it. I keep having people tell me, like, hey, this person that I never would have thought would know you in a million years asked me about you and can't believe that we're friends. You've got... You've got... I just made a million dollars in 10 days energy emanating from you right now too so and, i'm assuming it paid off financially and fucked my wife in the ass last night for the first time in like nine months respect Whoa, almost, respect almost knocked the fills over yeah, i can't have that that's how i know you're making good money right now you got the fills this is like jason love style <laughs> um, so, so check this so i since i've been single i may or may not have been spending some time with some women who uh are in the porn industry i can name at least one okay well i um may have been spending some time with some women who do pornography who like the week or two prior took the certified biggest cock in the business. Ah. Uh, and can you tell me is it um I'd prefer if we didn't talk any okay, names. Well, but we'll edit it out. I just want to know. Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you got that Mike? Yeah. Is it wrong that I don't trust him? No, fully? no, just that, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna house phone you, yeah. <laughs> okay. And so how how did that make you feel? Well, it I will just say this, like, the the women in question's attitude toward me and my penis would be like our attitude toward the color of a girl's nail polish. It just, she didn't care. Didn't matter at all. Besides your dick, pretty irrelevant to her. Completely irrelevant, and I've gathered this through many, like, follow-up conversations, the general attitude and level of interest afterward. Right. Again, with our hangouts being peppered between scenes shot with the biggest penises on the planet right it just it's it hasn't even been in the top 50 of things most important to these girls right you no know, i mean and i have that experience as well where the i'm subscribed to the only fans of the man with the biggest penis in the world dread yeah and i i love watching the scenes where he's fucking a girl in the ass because it is like a feat of 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 modern modern science that this is even possible that a dick that big could fit in an asshole like it is just so unbelievable to me that this is possible but then the parts where they're giving him head even the greatest throat goat on 
earth is oh, not going to be able to do much yeah. to a dick that is this fucking tall, like long. It's yeah. like they're giving a head and they're they're covering like you know maybe this much of it at yeah. the top, and it's like. I think, and, and also I've heard that from my wife as well, is that she's had conversations with chicks about working with dudes with absolutely ridiculous dicks. It looks amazing on camera. It's not really like what they'd be trying to do on yeah. a nightly basis, most likely. Now, yeah. there definitely probably are women with vaginas that are properly sized for a dread. Yeah. But I think that, ironically, it would fill the average woman with dread <laughs> if they had to do that on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe it's these chicks in the industry are, like, jaded and they care even less about cock size. Mm. Than, but I do think there is an element that when guys are in their 20s, most of the girls that they are dating are um, maybe they those girls haven't been out there and slept with a lot of guys yet. And so maybe girls in their 20s talk about dick size a lot more than women who have been around the block a few times. Yeah, well, and you're, if you're in your early 20s, you don't really know how your dick is going to stack up against the other competition out there. Like, I remember being 13 or 14 and, like, really wondering if I had a big dick or not. And I didn't, like, have a lot of, like, I guess I could see some porn online, but it's like, you know, you're looking at the dick in the porn. You kind of—it's hard to tell, like yeah. where you how you measure up against this. Sure. And that's one thing that girls always say is that dick ratings are one of the biggest things on OnlyFans. Is that guys want girls to comment on the size of their penis, and sometimes it seems like they they actually want like a real review, yeah. and then sometimes they want to be told that it's small when it's actually big, and sometimes they want to be told that it's big when it's actually small. Yeah. Which is kind of mind-blowing, and I, I can't even imagine how girls operate in that environment because mm -hmm. how the fuck do you know like like which kind of guy you're dealing with? Mm -hmm. But yeah, for sure, like that was probably part of me getting comfortable with Lena shooting with another guy is just the realization of like, oh, she just fucked a guy with a way bigger dick than me and you know it's okay like, it's mm -hmm. not the end of the world she's not like dying to fuck this guy again or whatever mm -hmm. that's not like she's like fucking me and craving to have his dick again probably a lot of people are watching this thinking yes she is she is <laughs> she is she seems quite happy with me as well so but i mean i have to put myself in her shoes and think about the fact that she has seen me get head from girls like yeah. carmen karma and adriana chechik who realistically are probably like within the top five or ten head givers on earth and she has witnessed me get you know pleasure from some of these girls in a way that she feels like she can't provide and i would put my girl up there like i think her, her dome is top notch but you know sometimes you're dealing with like super human levels of of dome giving mm -hmm. so it's only right i think that at a certain point she's able to experience a superhuman level of cock girth sure yeah and you gotta that's okay um, Chechik is superhuman with her anal ability too. And her squirting. I've she's, pleasured. Dude, she's the anal goat. That's oh, really yeah, Chechik's yeah. thing, dude. She yeah. could take right up the ass. She probably has actually. I think she has. Yes. When you, um, so I know that the day of and like the day after you, I'm not gonna say you regretted it, but you, there were some emotions. Yeah. When did those completely subside? I think it was like so. She did it on a Sunday, and then that's so much worse than any other day. <laughs> 
the Lord's work. <laughs> and so then, like, she did it on the fucking Sabbath. You know, I, I felt fine with it on Sunday, but then on Monday, I talk about it on the podcast, and like, I'm I'm already like a little bit like, oh god, like you know, I have a little bit of buyer's remorse. Like, damn, yes. like this is I I do feel kind of weird about it. Or it's just this is gonna take me a little bit of time to get used to. But I couldn't control myself. I came out here and just talked about it on Monday yeah. on the podcast. So automatically, I thought it, I thought it was a joke at first. Yeah, I, I thought it was a stunt, which I'm sure a lot of other people thought as well. Even up till the moment before the tape came out, a lot of people assumed that this was all just like a big ploy to get OnlyFans subscribers, which it would have been a good idea. You yeah. know, if we like really didn't want her to do that, we could have done the fake out and that would have been smart. But I'm 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 against that. I don't think like misleading your fans is ever a With good you. idea. So it's Monday. You're talking about it. I talk about it on here. The podcast comes out like the next day and all of a sudden every meme page I follow, whatever, everybody already knows about it before she has even posted anything hinting at it. And and then she posts the video with him sort of like walking up in the background, which ends up becoming this huge meme. And, you know, I guess like having, you know, many hundreds of thousands of people attack me for it made me feel a little bit like, oh, God, like, what the fuck did I get myself sure. into here? But then, like, you know, me and her get the tape. We watch the tape together. We end up, like, hooking up while we're watching it and stuff. And at that point, it's kind of like, oh, like, you know, I don't know. Like You hooked up as you watched it together? We watched it together. This is, like, my ultimate cuck move, basically, mm -hmm. is that we were actually fucking each other while watching it. But she's, like, super turned on by the fact that I even wanted to see it. And I'm kind of like turned on watching her in this position in the in the film in the first place. Yes. So, you know, we did have a good old time to it. I still feel like we need to sit down and watch like the full version. Well, let's know? pull it up on screen right now. Nah, not right now. I don't want to spend the 20 bucks on in the DMs right now. But uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, that, I, I heard you talking you about know. that. It was interesting that you were aroused by it, which I've experienced this before, too. Whenever you're separated from a woman for a period of time, especially if you know she's been with another man, uh -huh. there is a biological mechanism that takes place where it's a sperm war. Your mm. like your reptilian brain knows that there are competing sperm in your woman's vagina right now, and right. that you need to deploy your own army to try to fucking battle them away. Yeah, totally. It was and a race war in your case too. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, honestly, like the way that I could, if I could compare it to something, I would compare it to. Have you ever gotten in a fight and you really like hurt the other person? Yeah. I've had that happen where I remember one time I... I, I regret I, it, but yeah, I, I fucked a guy up once. Yeah, I saw this uh, this kid that I had a problem with. And it was outside of this, this hardcore concert back in the day, and he didn't see me coming, and I just Ooh. sort of like ran up next to him, and he wasn't looking, and I boom, and just smashed him in the fucking nose so hard. I like, watch his nose like explode, and I really beat the fuck out of him. Now, to be fair... He basically like drove the car like somebody had robbed my house when I was like 19 or whatever. And this kid was like the getaway car driver, basically. And yeah. he didn't even know that I knew that he did this. So yeah. like even maybe to this day, he doesn't really like know why I beat the fuck out of him. But I, I, I beat his ass so bad. And I actually just like felt kind of like dirty about it afterwards, yeah. even though I knew that I didn't really do anything wrong. Like my own personal code of conduct. Yeah. If somebody does something like this to you, you're allowed. Like I, I could have killed him and I wouldn't have felt bad. I, I, I wouldn't have felt like I had a real reason to feel bad. Like mm -hmm. I felt like I did something acceptable by punching him in the face because yeah. he was stolen from my dad. And But still, I felt like a weird turmoil in my stomach. Sure. But then, you know, you go a day or two and it's like, eh, whatever, like you got to get over it. But then... She actually starts promoting it, yeah. and the windfall that this then represented to me was kind of like, oh, so you're saying that basically, like, all I had to do was let my girl fuck one other dude, and we became infinitely more viral, more talked about, made a whole shitload of money, plug talk literally, like, doubled our 
numbers. Already a say. substantial number. Is we doubled. were already doing good. It's double that yeah. right now. And Plug Talk is not even where this content is being posted. This is just having more eyeballs yeah. on us and stuff. No is, jumper. It's just the AdSense from no jumper recently has got to be going through the roof, the too. Snapchat numbers, just from me talking about it, is the most that my Snapchat agency has ever made on any content ever. Fuck yeah. Which is hard for me to fathom. But like, yeah, I mean, let Jason Love fuck me in the ass, dude. I mean, hey, I'm thinking about maybe letting him get a try. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Like, like that, like realization that, you know, if you want to be truly viral, you just have to be willing to do something that other people would never consider doing. That is yeah. so outside the realm of possibility that other people have a hard time looking away from it. Sure. You know, and like me and her. We had a bit of a viral wave with uh, the plug talk thing. And, you know, we, we go on Andrew Schultz's podcast and we talk about it and we get a whole shitload of new subscribers. That was great. But then also it just wasn't like, you know, once people kind of get used to that idea, oh, you fuck a different girl every week. That's yeah. kind of like easy to understand. You throw one guy in the mix yeah. and it's like, oh, everybody just stops and just can't help yeah. but pay attention, which is kind of weird because now we're in the position of like, oh, so there are additional levels that we could take this content yeah but how fast do we want to speed sure. run through them because sure, sure. there's like all kinds of stuff that we could do that realistically would be a good time but that you know do we do we want to do every single thing that we can think of that's crazy as fuck now it's kind of like okay the tape is out because the tape came out yesterday for people watching this in the future it's kind of like okay the media is going to stop paying attention and the fans at some point are going to kind of tune off tune yeah. out and move on to another story which to us is not the worst thing in the world because you know it's it is kind of it's it's kind of like grating to like have this much attention put on you every single day. Oh, today we're going to every news story is going to be about Andrew Tate commenting on it. The day yeah. before that, every news story was about Kai Sinat talking about it. The day before that it was everybody talking about Aiden Ross talking about it. Mm -hmm. And it's just like I don't know. At a certain point now, it's kind of like, okay, maybe we're we're good to kind of like fall back and not be doing a shitload of media and stuff over mm -hmm. the next couple of days because, you know, you don't want to make people like completely sick of you. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like now we're kind of trying to figure out like how much do we want to be pushing this or do you want to just try to think of a new viral thing that you could do every sure. week because it's, it's, it was easy for us. Yeah. You know? It's not like we really had to do anything that was that far outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the perfect timing, the perfect thing, but it is, that just makes me realize how hard it is to, to get that viral kind of attention mm -hmm. these days because everything has been done. The internet is so saturated. Like I think about it with my own YouTube videos. It's like, what is the next thing I have to do to shock people into having to click on this video because a lot of the things that you could probably think of are also going to make you like public enemy number one you've yeah. seen what it's like when you even make a joke that kind of goes yeah. over the line a bit they're canceling your shows they're doing everything possible to ruin yeah. your life already clearly i'm going to guess that you are not going to be getting the motorola brand deals that like <laughs> you know a safer comedian might get and it's like yeah, like I'm a line pusher as well. Like yeah. we kind of we, we do things that are more and more extreme, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like you have to do something that is so absurd that the world can't look away from it yeah. in order to really get that viral sauce. And I know you don't really know Blueface is. We've, I've mentioned him on here a few times, but he uh, performs at the Luxor in Vegas, right? Uh, perhaps I don't uh, that's know. The Blue Man's group it was a <laughs> shitty joke. It's a shitty joke. He's a rapper and. He basically like he, he was doing this thing called the Blueface Girls Club for a few uh, years where he just have all these like really trashy ratchet chicks come and stay in his mansion. Yeah. And they would make OnlyFans content of the girls boxing each other and I don't know, sometimes getting naked or whatever. But like, you know, 
he found one of the girls, this girl, Krishan, and she's nuts. And, you know, he got a TV show with her now and everything. But they are consistently, constantly viral because yeah. of the fact that they will get into fights out in public. She'll yeah. attack him. I think at one point he knocked her dad out. Like, you know, just constant insanity. Yeah, yeah. And as a result, he's constantly viral as a result. And, you know, with me and Lena, it's like when I look at our relationship – our relationship, aside from like the plug talk thing, has never been viral. Like we we mm -hmm. are together, we don't fight a ton. You know, the cheating is like really kind of like way in the distance. Like I, I cheated a little bit in the beginning, but it was never like a public thing. Yeah, we swore to each other early on in our relationship that we were never going to drag each other, never going to smear each other, never going to make YouTube videos about each other, whatever. Yeah, and now having a kid that seems even more important. Mm -hmm. But now it's kind of like oh, realizing like I guess that now we're the couple who goes viral and gets shock and awe from people by doing things that are increasingly kind of extreme sexually. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of weird too, though, because it's like, where, where do we draw the line? What yeah. is like over the top? And what do we, when do we get to the point where nobody cares anymore? Sure. Yeah. yeah I'd recommend maybe taking a breather before you charge into the next viral stunt. Mm -hmm. I do. I think you have, I don't know, like, I'm not sure what your tolerance is for this kind of spotlight. I found out because early in my YouTube days, I did the more Howard Stern type of thing where I would talk shit about various other creators mm -hmm. for the most minor of offenses yeah. when I didn't know these people. Um, and since then, and with things go like the fucking the fat girl incident and that all that kind of blowback, I've realized that that's not my comfort zone. And I like to be a much more hands folded in my lap type dude. Mm. I mean, occasionally I say shit that gets me in trouble, but I'm not that controversial really. Like I go to bed early. I fucking work seven days, six days a week or whatever. Yeah. But it seems like you have a slightly higher uh, negativity threshold than me. Maybe I, you know, in the past, a huge percentage of the negative press negative virality I've gotten has basically been people calling me a rapist. So that shit sucks because it it's bad for business yeah it's bad for like getting interviews or, or all that kind of stuff it, it makes me feel like shit it makes my girl feel like shit it's just like it's bad nobody likes that i i disavow these allegations but there's nothing that i could really do yeah to sway the opinion of somebody who thinks that so that's most of my experience with having like negative viral stories going off about that me. Now, and racism those two oh, accusations too, yeah which, th those are like terrible accusations right and the, that phobia was funny i didn't even mind that one. right because it's not really your audience and your audience thinks that that shit's fucking funny yeah, yeah. But, but me like they call me racist it's like it doesn't feel like those rolling stone articles did a whole lot yeah but at the same time it's like i do business with a shitload of black people and some percentage of them are not going to bother to read the article and sure. realize it's a smear piece or a, sure. a hit piece and i get accused of being racist too so i'm with you like i right. mean how many no jumper interviews have i done where i've been pressed for being racist so now so it's like, like oh i'm going viral for people being like you know, oh, you let some other guy fuck your girl, which is like objectively true. And it doesn't really like that doesn't even come close to the negative yeah. stuff that I've dealt with in the past. Yeah. So it's like throughout this whole thing, even when like, you know, I go on Reddit or I go on Twitter and I just sort of casually get stuck doom scrolling and I just read like 50,000 people telling me I'm a piece of shit, whatever, because at a certain point, this sort of crossed over from anything close to my audience and it became like the Andrew Tates and the Tucker Carlson's and yeah. like these sort of conversations. Now I have people writing, you know, long viral tweets about me that are basically like telling me I need to find God and like, you know, yeah. telling me that I'm, uh, I'm going to hell and all these things that, I mean, that would never bother me. I don't believe in any of that shit. So that would never even make like a crack in my subconscious. 
But yeah, like, I mean, I feel much more, more okay with the negativity and the hate now, and this is not a cope, than I've ever felt before. Like this, mm. this whole thing has been like relatively easy to get through. Um, and it's, but the, the one thing that's kind of weird about it is that for me, it's been like largely positive, but with a bit of negativity since I'm, am getting so much negative feedback, but that can be kind of offset by the fact that I'm growing like crazy on social media and making a shitload of money for my girl. It's all positive because nobody's saying anything to her that hasn't been said already. You know, mm -hmm. people are calling her a whore or whatever. She doesn't <laughs> give a fuck about that, but you know, she's making like the most money she's ever made in her entire life. And then people are saying negative things to her, but it's stuff she's already heard before. Yeah. Now, neither of us like hearing the negative shit that's basically like, you are horrible parents. Yeah. That is not great from our perspective. We don't like hearing that. But for the most part, it has been pretty chill, you know? And I, I feel like more ready to invite criticism now than ever before. Like, did you see the, the skit that I posted today where I gave her the Lambo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, here I am coming out of the closet saying it's a skit. But... When I filmed I can tell. that, it seemed a little stilted. Was yeah. that a, a real Lamborghini that you guys purchased, though? Yeah, but it was at a fucking rental spot around oh, the corner. No. <laughs> <laughs> was that plainly conveyed? Because I just saw it really quickly. If you've driven by this rental spot, which is like a pretty popular, it's called a Vem Exotic Rentals, uh -huh. V E M. So uh, hit like them a, up. Yeah, but I mean, like Florida license plate on I mean, it, clearly. It's, a yeah, it's pretty well known because they got fucking like pictures all over the walls and they're like poo shiesty and fucking little dark and all these rappers were there and shit like that. So, um, but when I filmed that, I mean, as much as it seemed obvious to me and you that it was fake, yeah, yeah. To a lot of people, this seems real as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And I filmed that knowing that I'm going to be like universally clowned for the idea yeah. of giving a fucking Lamborghini to my girl, which makes no <laughs> sense. It makes no sense. Hey, you just made all this money. And I'm going to spend this much more money to give you this really expensive thing. Yeah. And, but I, I feel bad too because like people in her family are hitting her up like, oh my God, you got the Lambo now. That's so cool. You know, like she's like, no, it was a joke. He didn't buy me a car. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I filmed that knowing that I'm going to get made fun of for yeah. it. But I also know it's going to be viral and it's going to, you know, promote the scene, promote plug talk, sure. et cetera. So, yeah, know. I feel like you and I are not Lambo guys. We, uh, I did sit in that thing and it felt pretty good though. Dude, it's just, it's trying so hard. Like, I respect yeah. that about you that you drive a nice car and Lena drives a nice car. But like I a reasonably nice car, not a $300,000 car. My exactly. car is like a $110,000 car that exactly. I lease. Yeah. Is in my mind the highest I'll go in terms of car quality is like a Porsche, uh -huh. like a, a base model Porsche. My problem is I don't know anything about cars, so I I lack the ability to want for a nice car because I just don't even know what they what they are. I don't know what they're about. You said a Porsche. I could not point out a Porsche to you on the street. That's I like that about you. I don't know. You're dressed like a guy who doesn't know what a Porsche is right now. Again, to come back to this, but, it never really made sense to me. I don't get the car thing. Yeah. But so the Ferraris. Here's my take on Ferraris. And you and I had a chuckle privately behind the scenes about a comedian who drives a Ferrari recently. Did we? We did. But hmm. the thing with Ferraris is. A, you can't drive them in Los Angeles because the road maintenance is so poor. Mm. You can, but it's going to cost $10,000 to fix the body every time you hit a pothole. Seriously? Uh, yes. Uh, secondly, just when you pull up anywhere in a Ferrari, uh, it just screams. I don't like the phrase little dick energy uh -huh. because it's usually co-opted by fat left-wing women to shame right. men. And uh, to them, I say, like, why can't I start using the phrase fat girl energy? To I'm, me, I'm going to popularize that. If I was, I feel like I could understand the car thing a lot more if I wasn't me. Because when I, like, I, I feel like I'm an okay looking guy. I feel very comfortable with my financial status. And I feel like a lot of people know who I am. And I feel like a lot of guys who drive super nice cars 
they're nothing much to look at. Yeah. They are not famous at all. Yeah. Nobody is ever going to notice them. So yeah. like they they go to Earth Cafe or they go to a nice restaurant or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to notice them. When I, I I go and take an Uber to a fucking nice restaurant or whatever, I can usually count on like some percentage of people looking at me and and the fucking waiters knowing who I am and shit like that. And I don't really like crave that at all, but it's also kind of like just built in. Like I, I just am recognizable enough that a certain percentage of people are going to know who I am. If you're like an anonymous businessman yeah. and you've got $10 million in the bank, you start thinking, how am I going to present myself sure. in such a way that people will see me and think I have a lot of money? Sure. And this city especially fucks with your head. Uh, I have a buddy of mine who's a very, very successful businessman and has probably a net worth of close to $10 million. He told me when he was really fucked up one night that he saw at a concert Tommy Lee from Motley Crue pull up in like a Rolls Royce and go into the show and cause pandemonium out in front of the venue. And my buddy, when he was like super fucked up, drunk and on coke, told me that he had a like soul deep pang of jealousy that he would never be famous and cared about. Mm. And that like he wanted that more than anything else. And that's what you're talking about. It's almost weird that he was willing to be that honest about it because I feel like a lot of people would not he was fucked up. that he was fucked up yeah but okay when i think about a younger version of myself i wanted to be you know known for what i had put out into the world or like what i had created i'm not going to say necessarily like famous but i wanted to create something that would justify my existence in such a way that i didn't have to then you know uh do all this like rich guy shit to like try to seem cool because I, yeah. I i was so horrified and disgusted by that even at a young age when i would see these douchebag kids that i went to school with and they would get like a honda civic on their 16th birthday and they would start ricing it out and putting all these crazy <laughs> wait can you say that probably not but go uh, ahead. i've been saying that since i was a kid <laughs> <laughs> i haven't said that since i was in high school and didn't it's, really it's think about lords it. bitch can you say a riced out honda is that racist as fuck now it, it, the asians are too successful it's definitely racist asians i don't hate you i love you i love your women especially it's, but um yeah I love Asian women. Hell yeah, dude. I can't be racist. No. Um, but they earn too much money, man. It's fine. Riced out civics. You probably probably can't say that. Anymore. <laughs> I've thought out. about that in so long. But all right, it's like I remember just seeing these kids—not Asian kids, white kids—but they would start like putting all these lame ass mods and wings and spoilers and shit on their car, and like girls were actually reacting to yeah. it. Like girls would want to fuck them because they had some weird spoiler on their car. Yeah. And to me, as a young man, I was just like, that is so inexplicably gay to me i am never gonna do that i am gonna like build businesses or i'm gonna create something out of my life so that i don't ever have to sure. like justify my existence with material possessions dude can i tell you something like recently it, living in la that virus of materialism mm. i feel like i've caught a little bit of it mm. i haven't acted on any of it i'm still super frugal i mean you see i fucking walk in here wearing like two-year-old fucked-up vans, unmatching socks, and dirty sweatpants. Mm. But recently, and I think it's because I'm single now, mm. um, I, I, I see these other guys on YouTube who have the successful clothing brand, live in the $3 million mansion, drive the $130,000 car. Mm. And I know it's not true, but my mind is telling me that, like, hey, to compete in Los Angeles, to find a worthwhile chick... You're going to need to upgrade your car, your living situation, your fucking drip. 
massively. Right. And it's been like fucking with me, even though I know it's not true. And I know it's a better move to keep working on my business, like you're saying, or to invest that money to instead of buying a Tesla to have the equivalent of the car's price in Tesla stock. But still, it's been like I've been wanting to run out and fucking buy a car. See, I feel like driving a Tesla is a pretty reasonable investment. It's not that crazy, right? No, especially now, especially with the tax incentive. They're dirt cheap right now. Interesting. Yeah, no, I see that for sure, because especially if I was single or if I was like less well-known because like that that's the thing about having followers and shit is that once you have like a lot of followers that kind of like speaks for you right that kind of justifies your existence like all these fucking indie rock dudes who don't feel the need to dress fucking cool at all they like you know if your band's really popular you don't have to play this game right Mm -hmm. it really depends on what world you're in because like in hip-hop you you don't really have the option of not flexing you mm-hmm. you like it's just like written into the books. Yeah. If you're gonna be a rapper, yeah. you have to be on some flex and shit. You have to have nice cars, nice yeah. clothes, jewelry, whatever. I'm looked at like a total fucking freak in nature because I choose not to participate in this. Yeah. But I'm also white, so it's looked at as kind of normal that yeah, I don't yeah. participate in it. Yeah. But I mean, like, if you like, and this is how people I think justify it, they think like, well, I can't afford the Lambo truck, but if I get the Lambo truck. And somehow I'm able to make it work, and it's like a sort of unnecessarily large percentage of the money that I make every month. Girls are going to look at me different. Guys are going to look at me different. I'm going to be able to flex on a social media. It's going to kind of like – and I've had people that, I, that, that I'm good friends with even tell me, like, if you get that car – you're going to start getting covered by this Instagram account and this YouTube channel will want to do content with you because you have this cool car. Or if you become a sneaker guy and you have 200 pairs of like amazingly cool dunks in your fucking office or whatever, then there's like all these different people that are going to want to fuck with you because you own that stuff. Yeah. And they're right. They're right that there are people who will like do a YouTube video about you if you have a really nice house or if you have a couple nice cars or whatever. To me, I don't really want to take that on in particular because I've just heard too many people tell me like that the biggest mistake that they made when they were making a lot of money was that they spent tons of money on cars and clothes and shit. Yeah. And it just seems like a really bad use of my money. And then also like, you know, I listened to academics on stream one time talking about how he he like when he first started getting money, he bought like ten cars or eight cars, whatever. And he's they're just sitting in his garage. Yeah. That's... Like, what the fuck are you doing with it? You have to pay insurance if you want to ever drive it. Yeah. The insurance alone is going to be a fuckload of money every month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like kind of an insane thing to do, especially at 39. If I started getting money, I remember, I remember, I remember driving my friend's uh, Wraith at some point in maybe 2018. It's <laughs> an aggressive name for a car. The Wraith. The Wraith. And it sounds like the rape. It almost sounds like a rape. And You're also, you get in it and like a ghost is going to rape you. <laughs> Like a Lord of the Rings style but, but ring race. This homie of mine, he let me drive it. I whip it around the block a couple times and I started to feel like, okay, I can kind of understand what's going on. This is a very, very nice driving experience. And at this time was when I first started streaming the fans donating $100 for us to listen to their music. Yeah. So I, I, every week I was doing like two of these streams and making like 10 grand each night doing it. So I'm feeling like, holy shit, I just added on like 80 grand a month extra income. And and was this early enough in your career that you hadn't started getting raped by the tax man yet? Yeah, because that's what really like your first year or two making money before like the tax bill catches up. That's when I feel like most people make those awful decisions. But so, okay, while I'm considering potentially buying this like four hundred thousand dollar car and because I'm all of a sudden making this like outsized amount of money. Yeah. At some point around then, my business manager contacts me and tells me basically, hey, 
So I finally got done talking to the IRS, and it turns out that you owe close to a million dollars to the IRS for basically like an ex-employee of mine had basically like fucked up the inner workings of my business so bad before I became successful with No Jumper. Yeah. So this is all from like the BMX days, yeah. from like many, many years of this person just like really mismanaging my business. So at that point, I realized like, oh, you were thinking about buying this super expensive car. No, you actually need to go into scarcity mode and you yes. need to like really just save money because you have to dig yourself out of this fucking hole. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm for many years now, I've been in like a good place financially, but it does make me feel like, you know, I mean, my goal is to be able to like, I wouldn't say I'm really there yet, but I would like to just within five, 10 years, I would like to be able to really be able to look at my finances and say, okay, I could live in a house on the beach for the rest of my life and not have to work and not have to do anything. And yeah. if I could like get to that point and then I felt like I had a surplus of money on top of it, then I would be like, okay, maybe now I can become a fancy car guy, which, you know, it's kind of wasted on, you know, if you're only going to have a nice car once you're older, Yeah. but I don't know. I mean, I'm just like too conservative in my mind. And I also just like, don't like the idea of flexing material possessions like that. It just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. like it. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with you being married too. When I was in a relationship, I felt zero instinct toward materialism because, mm -hmm. like, why does it fucking matter? Right. Like, getting random pussy is not on your mind. But then when you're single, I mean, dude, I drive an 08 Mercury fucking Sable. Mm. Think about me pulling up to valet at Koi or some high end sushi restaurant for a date in that thing. But that's the way, gotta be amended. The way I view comedians is that you are like, you know, indie rock singers where you don't need to have nice stuff. You're getting yeah. by on your personality and the girl the girl you think if Burt Kreishner pulls up a, in a in a Mercury Sable, you think that the girls are judging him for not having the Lambo truck? No, I think it's very fitting with his his persona. I don't think but he's girls, also rich as fuck. I don't so. think girls are looking at Burt Kreischer in any sort of way. He's gotta like, be getting some pussy here and there, right? Or is he married? He's certainly married. No, I'm almost I'm positive. Married, yeah, well. But, but yeah, dude, I don't know, dude, there, I have been, since I've been single, I have been way more insecure about a lot of shit, but definitely the, thankfully the cock thing has been assuaged a little bit. Well, did I ever tell you about the, the penis pumps? Yeah. You gave me your penis pump pitch okay. once. I, yeah. I, I mean, or do you see, we, we made this breakthrough where I was at peace with my penis size and now you're trying to get me to make it bigger. No, I'm just, I was just wondering if you'd thought about it at all <laughs> piece of shit dude i no, just told you I, I was insecure i'm just saying that like i was kind of thinking about the other day like hmm, maybe i should revisit the the penis pump conversation uh, i think it's a symptom of uh, i think it's a jason love hangover you right? guessed it yeah dude, jason love <laughs> is the fucking man though dude like no, tight, yeah. when i met him in vegas dude like here's the thing this is all you need to know about jason love when we were on the vip patio at fucking avian oh, you met him that day yeah the only guy to come up and talk to me and be in my patreon vlog was fucking jason love dude uh -huh. Jason Love came up and just hung out and like fucked around with me and cameraman Nico for yeah. 30 minutes in an interview, dude. He's the man. Yeah, yeah. He he is like a weird uh a weird figure in the porn world, right? Because he's been retired for a few years. He was out the game, not shooting with anybody. His scene with Lena was like his first time shooting with anyone in a couple years, right? Uh -huh. And I guess I he's didn't know that, but he's making a comeback. He's coming back in the game and everything. But he was just doing the TikTok thing for a while and like, you know, but uh just posting like borderline community guideline violating posts on Instagram. That kind of thing, yeah. Like where uh, you can see his dick through his underwear clearly. I, I seen a, a thing on his TikTok the other day where he had like these two pretty large BBL'd out women and he was like squatting with both of them. <laughs> 
hanging off of his body just to yeah. put the perspective of the kind of things that he's doing on social media but yeah i mean people think i'm supposed to be like super jealous and upset about jason love when and like from my perspective when i'm like when i was on that phone call with my girl and him like obviously she had a great time fucking him but it's they don't have like that kind of demeanor yeah. like you know it's not like a super flirty vibe you know yeah so like that i mean to me that uh, that hasn't really crossed my mind that much maybe a little bit when i first started reading the comments being like yeah. she's happier with him than she was on your wedding night yeah yada, yada, which, <laughs> you, know, you know the irony of that <laughs> no there was a lot of that <laughs> the, the irony of that is that i wish that the mental state that i'm in right now i wish i was in this mental state when i was getting married because when i was getting married i was still kind of like reeling psychologically from everybody leaving the fucking podcast yeah. and getting canceled again and all yeah. this shit so i was i was not in the best state of mind whereas right now i felt great mm -hmm. you know so it's like i was having that conversation with her the other day i'm like can you believe the fact that everything feels like it's great right now yeah and that you know four months ago it felt like everything was all fucked up yeah i mean like that is crazy to me like during my wedding i was like kind of like freaking out in my head yeah. like i had a good time and everything uh -huh. but you know when you have like like weird waves of anxiety just sort of all blasting you in the fucking head all the time yeah it's um every like your life is so there are so many cycles where like i mean especially in our business it's so full of ups and downs where um it, it's easy to get negative and not think that things are going to turn around yeah but the the catch-22 is that you have to stay positive in order to keep showing up at work and at your job and eventually things always turn around and, that, and that's what's happened in a strange way for you yeah through all through the power of a big black cock yeah i know that's the crazy thing about it too is that when all those dudes left and i'm gonna cancel or whatever it's like i knew that the only way that i was going to be able to hold on to the fan base or whatever was i was going to have to go in there and do a really good job yeah having conversations and, yeah. and being you know light and uh, and and personable and yeah and funny and free on camera and meanwhile, I was 100% not in the frame of mind to be that person on camera, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's funny because like at a certain point I was, I was reading waves of comments and comment sections that were like, no jumper is done. There is no way mm -hmm. that they come back from this. And like, I'm looking at my analytics now and even outside of the fucking, the Jason Love scene or whatever, like we're doing just as good right now as we were doing three, four months ago. You guys are killing it. Yeah. yeah, we're doing fine. And like I was able to find new people to put on the channel and everything. And the idea that everything was done, it's like people make these proclamations on social media about yeah. how things are going to play out. And then those things do not happen. And then <laughs> nobody ever feels the need to go back. And, yeah. and, and, and when I see people now saying, Adam and Lena are going to be divorced in six months. Yeah, yeah. It's like, absolutely not like i i am so sure that this is wrong and you are never going to correct the record or never admit that you were wrong like yeah. we are very happy in our relationship mm -hmm. despite the fact that it's clearly outside the bounds of what mm -hmm. most people would be comfortable with mm -hmm. you know and this if anything me and her kind of feel like closer through mm -hmm. all this mm -hmm. because it's like we're kind of going through this trial together mm -hmm. slash receiving all these rewards yeah, yeah. together and i'm um, i'm sure um i mean it's it's made you value her her more seeing her with another guy but to speak on what you try a little harder in bed once you've seen her get <laughs> ravaged, <laughs> ravaged ravaged to come back to the vocab word of the day yeah. but also like that's why write that down this one, that might be a good title or the ravaging of adam's wife <laughs> <laughs> But also, dude, like, and this is going to sound, like, egotistical, but I've been through this shit, too, where people were like, Dan, he's fucking done, he sucks. And just 
winners are going to win, whether they're CEOs or good comics or podcasters. It's it, it's betting on the horse versus fucking I don't know where I'm going with this metaphor, but which sounds like I mean, you're a guy who's a winner. Whatever's going to happen to you, whatever's thrown your way, there might be a brief down period where you're doing interviews and your heart's not really in it and you're feeling negative. But eventually things are going to turn around and course correct, mm. which is like comforting to anybody out there to know that it's not what happens to you. Circumstances are always going to be there and they're out of your control. It's your inner state that's going to determine how you come out on the other side. No, and, yeah. And clearly you navigated that shit perfectly. Yeah, no, I feel like we uh, made it out the other side pretty well. I still feel like we have a long ways to go in, in terms of the channel and everything. But, uh, you know, at a certain point when I was on vacation or on the honeymoon, I thought, like, you know, if I can have, like, three consistent shows on the channel and then I do interviews and then we do the news every day and, like, the news has a long ways to go. Like, we definitely need to introduce some new personalities and get a cast that people really consistently want to tune into. But, you know, like, if that's what No Jumper is, then we're good. And I also really got to look at, like, my financial situation without all these people involved. And it's like, I had a fuckload of people on the payroll and a pretty large percentage of them were not exactly uh, creating a positive return mm -hmm. at a certain point. So it's like... I don't know, like we, we really pared down the number of staff we have and everything is still great. It might not be exactly as uh, fun and eclectic as it was at a certain point, but you know, still like, I, I, I'm just like, my whole business makes a lot more sense now mm -hmm. and I feel pretty good about it. What do you think it was that got you through the darkest days from the spring and winter? What, what do you think it was? Just a positive mindset? What did you do every day or, or what did you go back to in your head that got you through it? Wow, that's a good question. Because I don't know if it was anything in particular besides just like waking up every day and looking myself in the mirror and just being like, you got this. It's mm -hmm. going to be okay. Like yeah. you, you can do this. You're the person who did this and who built this shit in the first place. Yeah. And you can't get into that mind state of thinking that these other things that you built along the way are necessary in order for you to like continue to be successful. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, you know what's important is like, having thoughts that can kind of come into your mind that or that that you can insert into your thought patterns that will kind of like reroute you feeling like everything's over and i don't know who told me it but at a certain point somebody told me next time you start imagining a doomsday scenario for your life think to yourself reroute that that mental path and think what if everything works out the way that i have planned mm -hmm. like what if actually things all goes according to plan. What if everything's all right? Mm -hmm. And I just kept thinking that every time I would start to think like, well, what if this happens? And what if I get canceled for this? And what if this person leaves or what if, the, you know, and then I would just think like, yeah, maybe, but what if everything works out the way that you think that it could work out? Mm -hmm. And that, that really served me well. Like that really like stopped me from sort of repeating this negative loops of, of, of thoughts that I was experiencing for a while. The law of attraction is something that gets, a lot of negative press. People talk shit on positive thought. They say it's all this new age horseshit. Mm -hmm. But it, the idea of the law of attraction to me is basically not some, there's some mystical force in the universe that dictates your success based on the positive thoughts you're thinking. But if you think about it just really practically, if you woke up every morning in March or April, whenever shit was hard and you thought about, I'm getting canceled right now. What if more controversial interviews come up and I get canceled for things that haven't even come to light yet. And that's all that's occupying your headspace in a very practical sense. You're going to have that 
sick to your stomach feeling all day long that is going to make it so you can't do nearly as good of interviews as you're capable of doing. Right. Whereas if you Im- immediately block that out and replace it with what if things all work out the way I want them to, and that's all you allow to enter your mind, you're going to be able to hit your ceiling as a podcaster and as a husband mm-hmm. and as a father. Definitely. So just that's how I think about things like the law of attraction. Yeah, no, I think that that's important. And, and, and you know what? One thing that's helpful right now is like, okay, when you're getting canceled within a reasonable degree, you can look on Twitter and you can search your name and you can read every negative thing that every person has to say about you. You could look, you could watch every YouTube video of somebody shitting on you right now. The amount of hate that is being thrown at me on a daily basis is so absurd that like when I wake up in the morning, it doesn't even cross my mind to mm-hmm. look at my Twitter mentions because mm-hmm. it's going to be like many, many thousands of yeah. things that I would have to look through. <laughs> so it's like not even an option yeah. for me to see what people are saying about me in terms mm-hmm. of negative stuff, which is really nice. And when you think about it too, it's like, well, I guarantee there's people talking shit about me on Facebook. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm never going to see it. I guarantee there's all kinds of weird random Reddit threads on yeah. different places, whatever. I'm never going to see it. Yeah. And that is so much more valuable because I have a friend who uh, has been like mega canceled that is actually making a comeback very soon. And he, I think I know who this gentleman is. Yeah. And he was telling me that, you know, that that was like a really important part for him healing and him sort of being able to operate as a normal person because searching social media and trying to find people that are saying bad things about you Mm -hmm. is like a drug. Like your body slowly gets used to that Mm -hmm. feeling of reading these bad feelings about uh, these bad things about yourself and you seek it out Mm -hmm. and it like satiates something inside of your brain, Mm -hmm. at least in the sense of like, okay, this is what they have on me. This Mm -hmm. is what they're saying negative. Mm -hmm. Well, at least they're not saying this thing and this Mm -hmm. thing. And like, that's very, very tempting for for people to like really try to indulge in that shit all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I haven't been reading anything about myself, but you know, like Andrew Schultz talked about me on his podcast, and I, I watched the clip because you were like, uh, you, you got here like 10 minutes after you, you said you were going to get here. I had an extra 10 minutes. I ended up watching the clip. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm, I'm just saying. That, that, that's just it's the, an hour drive. That's the context I that I ended up watching this that I hadn't seen it for okay. like four or five well, you days. You didn't have to that. share that with the audience. Now they think I'm unprofessional. And Danny don't was 10 minutes later. It's okay. But I watched that, and it's like, he wasn't even saying anything bad, but I had no idea. DJ Academics has probably done like 30 hours of streaming about the Lena and Adam thing, I haven't seen any of it. Mm-hmm. And that's somebody that I actually like talk to and like, mm-hmm. you know, have a decent relationship with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of freeing to realize like, oh, you can just not really pay attention. You yeah. Can, you can just tune out. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, like, there are certain parts of social media that I just know never to check. Like my Instagram notifications, mentions, um, like, I guess the com- the comments for Sledge Lords and my main YouTube channel are super positive. But yeah, it's like if a fucking tree falls in the woods, if the tree falls in the woods and there's nobody there to hear it, mm. does it make a sound? No. If you're not checking your mentions every five seconds. But that is a weird thing too, is I'll read the the comments on my podcasts and like my interviews and stuff. And like, that's like a very small percentage of shit about why mm. I'm viral right now. Because it's like, if you're paying attention to me because I'm viral for this cuckoldry arc, cuck arc, if you will, then why the fuck would you ever watch me interviewing O3 Greedo yesterday? He's like a rapper, you know? Like, so it's just like, I kind of have like two parallel worlds. I'm so like, isn't Greedo like the bounty hunter in Star Wars? He is. Oh, is that where O3 and Greedo got? I, I found that out when I watched uh, Star Wars a, a few months back. Yeah, Han, I, Han Solo I, fucking smokes it. Maybe that's why, well, you think as a gangster, you wouldn't want to be named after the guy who gets shot dead. But I'm not sure if Greedo got his name from that guy from Star Wars. 
I think he's aware of him, but I don't think that's where the name came from. <laughs> aware of Gar- as if Garrido is like a fucking competitive, a competing rapper. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what what else has been going on in our lives? We've talked about the wedding. We talked about Adam going viral for. You've the, used that's yeah. the second time you've referred to yourself in the third person. I can. Your humility is something well, that's, that's lost a step. No, but it, just, it does feel like something that's kind of happening to a different version of me. like An avatar. I'm, yeah, yeah, like when I'm in therapy and talking about my life, it's like to my therapist talks about like the public persona of me as this like very different thing than Dude, me as a person. Who is your therapist? That that's is just a, dope. a monumental task you to be your therapist. In? I I don't know if I'm ready to lock in. I know. I'm having a conversation with her the other day, and it's like, you know, we're talking about so many bizarre things, and I'm like, so there's this one guy, and he has basically, like, the biggest dick in the entire (laughs) world. I'm just like, she's just like the most normal woman ever. And I'm like, yeah, and Tucker Carlson and Andrew Tate were talking about me last night. And it's just like, I'm just thinking in my head, like, I'm really hitting her with some shit. This is a lot of of stuff I'm laying on here. She didn't learn that in undergrad. Because so many things that, like, if you're a therapist, so many of the problems that people are hitting you with are pretty universal mm-hmm. problems. These mm-hmm. are things that she's heard a hundred times before, mm-hmm. and you know that's just how it goes. And it's like, no, I'm I'm telling her a very unique set of problems. Absolutely, yeah. This isn't my wife doesn't appreciate me and bitches about the dishes. Yeah, this is something new. That is weird too. I think a lot of people's wives are cheating on them. I uh, my, mine's not. I don't consider it cheating. She it, went and had a little rendezvous with someone yeah. else for. The content. Sure. Now, did she enjoy herself while she was there? For sure. But I feel like a big part of why we were comfortable enough to do that is that she's never cheated on Sure. You know? Yeah, I I do. I think women are (laughs) so much more faithful than dudes. In in most cases, there are always a couple examples of, like, dirty sluts. Mm. A chick you know has a boyfriend will aggressively message you on Instagram. Yeah. But for the most part, it seems like... It seems like women are pretty. They're they're made differently than us, which is comforting. I wonder because I feel like my girl is different than the average girl, and I've never really felt like there was a risk of her cheating. But I do. I, I think the statistic is that women cheat more and get caught less. I disagree with that. I, but I, I, I feel like that's like a real thing. But it also obviously is an anecdote that probably is not a real thing. But yeah, women do cheat. I read the book Sperm Wars. And that's I read that. Too. That's my, funny because you mentioned yeah. Sperm Wars, and I'm thinking like you read the book of that time. I read that probably in. 2008 yes and the theory it has is that women will cheat in order to obtain the sperm of a man who has better genes so that they can raise the child the child that their husband doesn't know is not his and in a more stable household is a biological necessity for women Yes. Basically, the idea is that a girl marries a rich Hollywood producer who's five foot six with a big nose Mm. and cheats with a guy who looks like Jason Love in order to have a a fit or that would be a little a little um, little ambitious, a little hard to find a guy who looks like him. right? (laughs) Yeah. But also that's I mean, you want to be a little a little stealthy there. Uh. But then the idea is you get the best genes in the best household. However, but you read that book and you become convinced that every woman is running around with five different guys, semen squirming around in her her embryos and shit at at the same time which from my experience like i don't know i don't know that many women that cheat that much well the girl kobe bryant fucked that was one because she had like multiple guys jizz in her g-string but wait the the rape victim i hey i'm not saying i'm gonna defend kobe's honor right i'm not saying he did but i'm saying she had multiple different dudes because she actually did a rape kit 
Yes, and she had multiple dudes jizz in her underwear. So she was like one wow. of the anecdotes in Sperm Wars, basically, that chick. Wasn't she just an employee at a hotel? It was it, her and like Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger. His was another hotel chick, too. And there were some fucking red flags in her story. I'll say that. Wow. See, I'll even say I think Michael Jackson was innocent. I've got some radical opinions on a lot of these accusations. Well, R. Kelly has become good friends with my my buddy Wack 100, and they've been having a lot of long phone calls where I'm starting to think maybe R. Kelly's not not guilty yeah tell him to shoot me a dm i'd like to meet r kelly you too do a video with him behind the, the wall that'd be fucking unbelievable that's what i need i need my viral moment dude it's not fair that only half this table goes viral right now well i, I could sense some like uh insecurity by some of my uh past uh hosts basically or like past, people i've been associated with in the past where i can kind of tell that they're a little jealous of the level of virality that i've been having and they're trying to figure out how to engineer it for themselves it's really it's not that easy yeah especially if you're black like what do you do like who do you let your chick get fucked by a pygmy <laughs> no that is a good point though the inverse of adam 22 would be fucking cool that would be really viral if you had like a black couple that was relatively well known and they like i let my wife sleep with a white guy i feel like i might be the guy yeah, 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 yeah. Just a super hood couple, like a like a like Beyonce and Jay Z or something. If I just show up in suspenders with some taped up glasses, yeah. Oh, come on. But I am I am the only like all right. In terms of like things I've done that I don't think anyone else has ever done, I don't think I've ever seen anybody who had like a pretty solid good business going for themselves and then still decided to get into porn. Yeah. And I also don't think, and there's probably exceptions, but you know, it's a pretty rare arc to take. Yeah. But then also, I don't think you could think of anybody who's like pretty successful, pretty well known, his wife, same thing. And at a certain point, he was just like, yeah, you can do porn with another dude. Yeah. Like that is like a pretty shocking thing for anybody to take part in. Like yeah. and from my perspective, the narrative is basically like porn star lets his porn star wife shoot with another porn star, mm. which is like way less interesting yeah. than the narrative of like famous YouTuber lets his wife fuck other guy. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of sounds like a lot more deviant than uh, you know, what it actually felt like for me doing it. It was just a perfect storm. I mean, you guys yeah. just got married, and there was <laughs> all these photos and videos coming out of you guys having a succession-style, mm. idyllic union yeah. in the Italian countryside. You'd been at least... She'd been at least faithful to you for all this time, yeah. and then all of a sudden, what happened? He was what color? His dick was how big? <laughs> it was just... It's going to be tough for anybody to replicate that. It's going to be tough for me to replicate it. It's kind of like a weird feeling of like, oh, yeah, you probably will never go this viral again. This is that's like, probably okay. Like you, this is your blue album. Yeah. Another one that was really viral was when the guy put the gun in my face. But that that was insane, by the way. There's yeah. somebody like somebody sent me that clip like way too recently, considering mm -hmm. you and I have a podcast together. And I was like, dude, you are I would have been such a little bitch that could probably be like due for another round of virality like you know the way that like people on twitter will just tweet something that like happened like a year ago two years ago three years ago and they'll just act like it just happened uh -huh. and it'll go viral all over again yeah like i saw ben shapiro just did a story on like the alt-right weightlifting culture that was recycled from like a year and a half ago oh really yeah an example of that no but like somebody there was an article that came out the other day that was basically like saying like here's why the alt-right is obsessed with fitness that was it yeah no that's an old article that's been going viral oh, yeah. again but they might have like just tweeted it again because a lot of yeah. those companies you know they just sort of send out the same links over and over throughout mm -hmm. the year yeah mm -hmm. so what do you got going on danny uh, dude i've just been such a fucking 
the same, dude. Just on the grind, just working. I've been doing stand up. Mm. We uh, we did a show in New York. Sold that fucking bitch out. Really? That yeah, was good, you, man. Were you and your little squad, or, or who else was involved? Me, Leo, and then Ryan Long, oh. friend of this show, friend of Sledge Lords. Great friend. Yeah, he fucking he slayed it. He's he let me come down and do his shows in San Diego too, right. stand up, and that's. Doing those shows with him and going up there and getting that 10 minutes of stage time in front of a sold out crowd of people mm. I didn't know and me going up there and feeling like I ha- I my set hadn't been ironed out in a way that would make it. I feel like I've been disrespecting the art of stand up a little bit. Mm. So I've decided to take it more seriously in addition to my YouTube videos. Interesting. You, know, you just think you haven't been trying hard enough? Yeah, I've been going up there and basically just improvising it, thinking really? that, like, hey, I don't need material. I'm just going to fucking talk shit to this guy, make a funny face, stick my tongue out. But then I've been realizing, like, hey, there is something to be gained from going up there and having a really tight five or ten minutes of awesome material. Yeah, if you want to get the respect of the Joe Rogans and the Burt Kreishners, then you're going to have to be able yeah. to really, like, show that you care about the game, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's that. And then also, it's the cool thing about stand-up is sometimes YouTube, you know how this goes, you could be crushing it on your game as a podcaster, having great guests, but the algorithm will just not be loving you mm-hmm. at that point in time. And that's sort of out of your control. It feels like it's in your control, but you know how this goes. Sometimes you put out what is for sure to be a slam-dunk piece of content, and it underperforms, no. which is annoying. Whereas like stand-up, when, you ha- when I have this other facet of my my career that I can work on too, it makes me less emotionally attached to my YouTube videos, mm. which makes me more effective when I'm like more even keeled because if a video doesn't do so well, whatever, I'm working on this joke that's exciting me and I can go try to make a bunch of people laugh at a nightclub. Mm. Some, I mean, sometimes it doesn't fucking work out, but if you have a really great show that, that can offset like a shitty week business wise on YouTube. So do you do uh, a night at the comedy club and is it just inevitable that women are going to be throwing themselves at you at a certain point? Because it, it like, okay, many of the subcultures that I've been involved with throughout my life, BMX, no girls. Yeah. Like, you could spend your whole life at the skate park. You're never going to meet any hot yeah. chicks. You know, maybe if you become, like, a an A-list X Games winner, you're going to start meeting girls. They're going to be attracted to you, whatever. Hip-hop. I mean, on one end of hip-hop, it's like hip-hop occurs in nightclubs and stuff like yeah. that. For sure, there's tons of hot girls at those shows. But, like, a lot of, like, underground rap shows and stuff, very little ass to be had. Yeah. <laughs> I always kind of wonder, like, in comedy, does it feel like girls are just dying to hook up because comedy is so mainstream and it's like anyone could laugh yes yeah and and comedy is it is a sign of reproductive fitness Mm. you might have learned about this in sperm wars but being funny is a sign that your brain works well Mm. because it shows a certain level of social adeptness to know what's funny you have to know what's taboo what's socially acceptable Mm. you have to be intelligent so it's inherently an attractive trait but then also there's the exclusivity element to it where you're the guy up on stage with the spotlight on him at that moment mm-hmm. that screws with a potential mate's brain mm-hmm. and raises your value maybe artificially. Oh, yeah. Like I remember in my time in the hardcore scene that the singers of the bands or even just the guys in the bands in general – 
in comparison to the guys who just went to shows and were yeah. just there and yeah, just yeah. moshing and like having a good time. I mean, the way girls would treat the hot dudes from the bands yeah. was just so fundamentally different than the way that they would treat the regular guys who were just going to the shows. And the bassist in the hardcore band is probably a bigger loser than half the audience. Yeah, but they're they're on stage. They've clearly worked to get into this position. They, you know, are, are being treated like gods. They're They're being paid to be there. I feel like that like all kind of fits into this algorithm in women's brains of sure. who they want to have sex with. But you agree it's an illusion, right? Like the bassist oh, yeah, yeah. in fucking the Black Dahlia murder probably makes $21,000 a year, <laughs> whereas a lot of the dudes in the audience are like fucking, like, uh, I don't know, like Asperger-y tech dudes who make a hundred grand a year. Yeah, well, I don't know. In hardcore, I feel like like the vast majority of the people in the audience are fucking losers as well. That's true. Think. But yeah, it's, it's absolutely an illusion. And like, I mean, most of the guys that are going up on like a Monday night showcase at the Ha Ha Comedy Club are losers too. But yeah, they are absolutely more likely to get their dick sucked that night than a guy in the audience or even at a random bar. Just like it works the same. When I was a security guard at a nightclub, the bouncers get way more pussy oftentimes than the guys in the booths mm. who actually have fucking money. Mm. Even though as a bouncer, I was announcing to women that I am a, an impoverished, blue-collar, undereducated asshole. Right. It doesn't matter. The status dynamics say that the guys in the booths are trying to impress me and trying to fuck me. The guy with the security polo doesn't give a shit about me and is indifferent. I want him. You working security is kind of a funny idea. There's a lot of levels of security, like, you know, when you see, like, a rapper and the types of security that they typically have, we're expecting them to be, like, a large man possibly wearing a bulletproof vest and holding a gun. Yeah. And then I, I just, I don't really see hey, you. Is Jason Ellis found out? I'll fuck a motherfucker. Dude, I caught the Jason Ellis unfollow. What'd you do? I don't know. You think he was a little jealous about your recent success? Because this, I feel I like you've, en you've encroached on his territory a little bit. It may, it may have been before that. But I was just wondering if, like, he probably, like, felt a certain type of way about the way that he was treated on this podcast. Yeah. I he didn't like, seem like he had a great time. I, I feel like it was a shame because I just I feel like he was having a bad day. And yeah. maybe that colored his perception of how things were actually going yeah. when you and I had no intention of dogging him or putting him down in any way. Yeah, but I, I can kind of, like, see why it happened the way that it happened though because i was astonished when i interviewed him and how sensitive he was and how he basically thought that i was like attacking his career as a comedian yeah yeah. and then on top You're of it an honest guy yeah and i was just trying to get at the root of why he had chosen to enter into comedy mm -hmm. and then when he came in here and did the podcast with us he seemed like he was even more salty yeah and it, i was just like really taken aback by like like i just thought that he was going to be like a a, a a confident guy and like you know you're a comedian you're supposed yeah, to be yeah. able to like roll with the punches yeah, yeah i don't think i've ever met a comedian who did less rolling with the punches than him he just really and especially like you're this mma fighter guy whatever and he just seemed like all of our attempts to joke around with him just hit this wall yeah it was, it was just kind of sad yeah yeah i listened to it back and it 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 seemed that it was pretty clear that we were playing around I um I don't know maybe it involved his uh he has quite an affection for Gracie Jane as you know. Do you think he hit? They Did definitely he say they, they fucked yeah. Jesus Christ. He, he I don't think I'm outing anybody here but he fucked Gracie Jane in the ass. 
But that was before, because remember it was a bisexual healing and then transsexual healing was the one with the her. Order. I forget which <laughs> healing took place first. I mentioned Gracie Jane by name in the episode with Elena the other day. I heard it, was it pretty yeah. Big. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think her, I think they should shoot a scene together. I think the three of you should have a threesome. I think her and I should meet in an alley somewhere and have a fight to the death. Cocks out. I actually have no animosity towards this person because <laughs> it just doesn't really like affect. I just like whatever. Yeah, I, don't, I don't fucking care. You basically just said you want to kill a transvestite. So. Um, maybe okay, maybe not death. Okay, yeah. but like I, I will allow her to tap you or her to tap. <laughs> just like that Elena podcast, I feel like the most controversial things happened right at the end of this podcast too. That's, that's how you got to do it. This has been a fucking long one, dude. This has been a what well, was our first one back? Dude? No, we're not even at two hours yet. This has been a marathon pod. This is a marathon part. We, we have five minutes away from two hours. Didn't he take a shit or something? No, you sent him to get your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, if Gracie Jane wants to meet up in an alley and fight to the death, that'd be cool. Yeah, Gracie Jane was uh, the powder keg that set off not World War One here, but, I mean, the, the no jumper. That was the start of it, right? That definitely was the start of a lot of things. Michael, do you have anything to say for yourself? Because this is really <laughs> on you, buddy. When he meets a girl in the bar, he's like, so, <laughs> you hear what happened to No Jumper? Yeah, I'm that guy. Wait, Michael, do you have a girlfriend? You don't. How's that going for you? Oh, you're off, It's Mike. cool not having a girlfriend? Dude, okay, I, we don't need to hear you. For me, like, dude, I was happy as shit being single, like, before I had a girlfriend. Mm. You don't realize the benefits of being a relation in a relationship until after you've been in a serious relationship. Well, what do you feel like you're lacking at this point? Well, I, I just, um, I don't know. I just, I don't have time to date, really. And when you don't have time to date, you you realize the value of being in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm scared of being single because I feel like dating, a.k.a. having girls come over to my house, would be, like, it would be so hard for me to contain that part of my life. Like, the messaging of girls, the yeah. sending of random DMs, time spent on dating sites or whatever, yeah. which I'm not even sure that I would be able to survive in a, a dating site pool at this yeah. point in my life. Like, I don't know. But, like, either way, I know that before I got into this relationship, sex was kind of like a disease that was, like, part of my life where I was just, mm -hmm. like, I was having a hard time containing messaging girls and hanging out with girls into like a reasonable amount of time yeah and that was one thing i liked about getting into a relationship was like mm -hmm. oh i can actually focus on my business and the stuff that i'm mm -hmm. you know creative with and that is important to me whereas when i was single it felt like i was constantly trying to fill this void mm -hmm. by fucking random girls mm -hmm. yeah that that's how i absolutely was in my 20s mm. and Part of me was excited about the prospect of being single because I thought that would be awesome. Like the societal promise of of fresh, novel pussy weighed on my mind. But then now that I've been single, you realize how much of an illusion that is and how having sex with a new girl is sort of like eating a bunch of Skittles. Mm. Like it's fucking, it's exciting while you're buying the Skittles but then the next morning, you just don't feel that great. Yeah, and you had this conversation that, with me, like, off camera, I think, relatively recently, where you said that basically you had a realization that you didn't want to sleep with any woman unless you could at least potentially see yourself in a relationship with her. Like, as if there yeah. was no chance of that, then it's yeah. probably not a good thing to be spending your time on, which I totally, totally can relate to. Because when I think about what how I was living before I fucking uh, got into this relationship— 
I was fucking girls that almost exclusively I could not have imagined myself actually spending time with in the long run, you know? And that's just is like it gives you a dirty feeling when you have to yeah. spend the, the Tuesday night sleeping in the same bed as this person that you kind of detest. Yes. Just because you wanted to use their <laughs> vagina for a half hour. It's just like a, a weird... <laughs> It feels gross. I, I like how I like how you were having sex with girls that you detested. I did. Detested. I yes. Oh yeah. So uh, this is my. I haven't had sex with any girls I've detested, but there there was one girl I hooked up with, um, who I I hooked up with her, and I realized that the the process of courtship for a guy sort of requires like feigning romantic interest in a woman. Exactly. And when you do that, you send a signal to the girl that like you want to start dating because women for the most part, despite like all the fucking women's lib and being in LA and chicks having casual sex, chicks usually don't have sex with a guy unless they're willing to be in a long-term relationship. That's what like that's what chicks have sex for. More often than not, I feel like women are having sex with men because they want the guy to like them, yes. and they feel like this is a good way to feel it out and to maybe potentially make the guy like them. But they're they're not necessarily like married to the idea of the guy liking them back. But this is basically the only way that they have to sort of figure it out and yes. feel you out as a mate. Uh, women unlike Adam 22 don't have sex with men on Tuesday nights who they detest mm. and then grudgingly sleep through the night with them. So like, so I found that there was like a, a girl in particular that I'd like seduced. And then afterwards I, I sort of was like, Oh well, fuck. Now what do I do now? Like all of this was done sober. Mm -hmm. Like the whole courtship process was been done sober. It wasn't like it was a drunken one night fling. Um, now I basically have to let her down and, like, that didn't feel good. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, I have memories of me sleeping with, like, you know, going to a warehouse party until 2 in the morning, tr doing coke, mm -hmm. drinking heavily, leaving with a girl, spending an hour or two with her at my house, and then having another girl come over right after and fucking her without even a shower in between. <laughs> and then, like, you know, all of a sudden it's, like, 6.30 in the morning, and I'm yeah. coming down hard off of the coke and the booze. Yeah. And it's just, like... That's no way to live. Like it's it's fun at a certain point. Yeah. But if I would hope like I would have to set hard boundaries for myself if I yeah. was single right now so that I could kind of like figure like live in a way that wasn't gonna totally consume my existence. I'm still trying to get an answer about you in this Airbnb. Yeah. Hey, Hello, Monica. Welcome to Sludge Lords. You're our guest. You, I'm with Danny Mullen right oh, now. God. And I would okay. I would like to inquire about the damage that has been done to your reputation on Airbnb as a re result yeah. of Danny Mullen's actions. Would you like to tell him about what he's done to you? Oh, I would, I would love to hold on. Let me go ahead and pull up my little Airbnb review because just now I was a, I was a five star Airbnb client until this guy. So wow. let me go ahead and pull up. She had five stars. Now yeah. she does not have five stars. She is your victim. I didn't yeah, do I, shit, I, Monica. He's denying doing anything. Who are the other possible culprits? Can is I talk he, to her? Yeah, sure. You can you hold it up to the mic, though. Uh, Monica, hello. Daniel James Bryan Mullen. <laughs> uh, Monica, so first of all, Adam booked about three Airbnbs. My theory here is that one of these... Christian, I did it. That's what so. I was thinking. Yeah. Thank you, Monica. <laughs> so one of these Airbnbs must have been booked under my name, or I was going to be the primary occupant of this Airbnb. For your information, Monica, because I know this has damaged your score on Airbnb, it's damaged my reputation over the Sledge Lord, the Sledge Lord Airwaves, which I think is a bigger ding. Very justified. Okay. 
so I I only stayed in one of Adam's Airbnbs for one night. For one single night, I stayed in Adam's Airbnb. It was the very small one with Jason and then, was it Brandon, your BMX yes, buddy? Yes. So it was in a, a small two-bedroom, maybe three-bedroom Airbnb that I was in for the night of the wedding only. I got in at 4 a.m., slept till noon, no partying, no shenanigans of any sort happened. So I'm just curious what the owner of this property said I allegedly did. Okay, so are you saying that it did happen, or are you saying that you think it was one of the other Airbnbs? Did anything I just said make it sound like I was taking credit for it? No. Okay, so uh, let me just go ahead and read it so that we can just get that out of the way. All Ready? Right. Let's hear what this Italian Maybe Monica should join the podcast. Very dirty. Hmm. Full of rubbish. The broken ironing board. The broken ironing oh, board. Oh, wow. What was a that catastrophe. You? Absolutely not. No, I didn't get there until after the wedding. Why would I have used an ironing board? Haha. The chair, dirty with grease. <sighs> the heater was turned on to 27 degrees Celsius. I don't even know what that means. Very hot. When in Florence on those days, the outside temperature was 20 degrees Celsius. Mm. So you're you're um, you're denying everything. But uh, so. I am absolutely denying everything because I only stayed in the Airbnb for one night. I came in and passed out. I certainly didn't have the wherewithal to fiddle with a thermostat. But I want to say, like, is it really the Airbnb owner's right to complain about the temperature the guest set the thermostat to? Yeah, maybe you had hypothermia. Well, yes, because you were added. Wait, I didn't I, do anything, Monica. Were you added to the rules? Because in the rules, it said that you guys are not allowed to turn the heater on. Well, I did not turn the heater on, but I'm just, I'm arguing on behalf of whoever actually so I did. Think then, I think then we need to get Brandon and Jason involved because they're also denying it because, I, oh my God, I don't want to stir some drama, but is Josh in the room? No, he's not. What did Josh do? Have, ask, why don't you guys call Josh? And just ask him to read you a text message we received that night. Ooh. Listen, mm-hmm. uh, Monica, I, I mean, what does the text message say? Can we, can you share that Give with us? Give us a hint, okay. yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to redact who it was from, but obviously there's only two people on this earth that it could be from, but they said that they got home because we all went out the last night except for you. So you were the only one in the Airbnb that they got back, and it was very dirty. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, me personally, Danny Mullen? Yeah, you. We all went out the last night, and I stayed no, in? No, no, Every Everybody went out except for you. Wait, what? When did that happen? Like, after the wedding? The last night. Remember when we all went to go eat gelato, and then you went back to your Airbnb? Oh, the night we were, you were pushing my niece in the stroller. Yeah, but I, I, I didn't even sleep that night. I went back, and I packed my suitcase and went oh, to the airport at 3 a.m. You didn't sleep because you were probably making a mess. Why, why would I? As a guy with a flight to catch, a guy 33 years of age who makes a healthy income, why would I have just dead sober thrashed an Airbnb? And why would you get drunk to then leave then, at like what? 3 or 4 then in the morning? Maybe a ghost or someone broke in, but when the guys got back to the Airbnb, because you were the only one who didn't come with us out that night, they said that you left open all of the cabinets in the kitchen. Again, then, well, first of all, that's not true because I didn't have any food there because I just arrived. But is that a crime no, against Airbnb law? Why? Opening uh-huh. cabinets. <laughs> this is, see, I think the real culprit here, Monica, is the Italians. 
All right. <laughs> Their entire culture. This is all they've accomplished. They paint pictures of naked people and they fought alongside the Nazis. Mm. This is the brand of person who is telling me that I'm a shitty tenant. I completely disavow everything I've been accused of. Again, I slept for one night. I went home with a belly full of gelato, packed a suitcase, and then got a cab. And then broke the ironing board and then opened all the cabinets and then dipped to go catch your flight. And turned up the heater really high? Yeah. <laughs> turned up the heater really hot. If you, you, were, if, you, were, you were trying to sabotage Jason Vegan. Just own it. What? If you were a detective, Monica, I, I like you, Monica. You have uh, you have a soothing voice and a good sense of humor. But if you were a detective, would that be a logical case that I would would open a bunch of cabinets and break karate chop an ironing <laughs> board yeah. on the way home? Like well, I, I obviously didn't need to iron anything if I was packing my suitcase to leave. I think you're asking the wrong person because I am a little biased about you because you were rude to me at the wedding. What did he say? What did I say? Air it out. Okay. Adam's dad had prepared a very important speech for the wedding that he was very excited to give. Yeah. He asked me, he said, Monica, can you please go ahead and tell these people who are being very loud at the photo booth to... To go back to their seats so I can do this speech. Keep in I mind, my dad true. is basically borderline deaf, so it it is quite hard for him to navigate the sure. world at this point in his old uh -huh. age. Okay, yeah, continue, Monica. So I walk up to you, Kazumi, my friend. You guys are all at the photo booth, uh -huh. and then you're vlogging. Yeah, I was vlogging. I say, hey, you guys, can you guys please go have a seat? And you guys could trust me, the photo booth's going to be here all night. Adam's dad would like to give his speech and do the toast. You said, yeah, 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 yeah. And then went back to vlogging. And I stood there and I said, okay, I'm going to give them a couple more seconds. Let them take their picture. Wait for it to print out. Then you're like, okay, let's take another picture. But you girls kiss. Do it for the vlog. So I step in again. And I That's say, yeah. hi, I already asked you guys to please go sit down. Can you please, you guys are being rude. Can you please go sit down? And you said, Monica, you turn the camera to me. I bet you cut all this out of you being rude of your vlog. You turn the camera to me and you say, this is a porn party. I don't know what you expect. And then you probably don't remember this. Adam's dad comes over and he raises his voice at you guys and says, you guys are being fucking rude. Go sit down now. And what did you do? You trotted onto your seat and you sat down. Monica, is that false? Did that not happen? I don't remember any of this. Uh, let me let me just say this, Monica. I, I'm going to take credit for stuff. I, I two stories you don't remember. I, I certainly let me say this. I absolutely do not remember Adam's father ever raising his voice to us. I remember loving his speech and thinking it was very touching. And so I I don't think that went down as you're describing. However, me vlogging and insisting on two porn stars kiss in the photo booth almost certainly happened and um i have such like post-mortem embarrassment over that that i'm willing to take credit for the airbnb situation now okay you see <laughs> i didn't do it so you don't want to take credit for the, the something you definitely did like let's just go sit down you guys come on let's just go sit down
was Christian. So let me just go ahead and give a little shout out to Christian Henderson. Who is also a great porn boyfriend. We were just discussing him earlier. He's, he's, he's the man. That's because exactly. man's. Exactly. See, at least there's like one good person. Monica. Well, me too. I, also me. I will say I was intoxicated and very excited. I did not mean to be rude to you at all, but that the behavior you described does sort of sound like the wavelength I was on that night. However, I completely yeah. did not do anything to the Airbnb, and that's me being serious. And that's why after this phone call, you guys should call Jason. If he's not in the office, which actually he's not. He's not. You guys should call him because... Or you can ask Josh. Maybe we'll let that. I'm going to do some research off camera and figure it out so that we can report back on the next episode. Well, I mean, Jason has a gun tattooed on his temple, so he seems a pretty good scapegoat to me. Can we just blame this on Jason and call it a trip? I mean, I just want to say that when I hear this story, I consider Began and Jason to both be very unlikely to trash a hotel room. You maybe a little bit more likely, but I also like I remember the state that you were in that night when we all I went to get gelato. Him, you were not in like a Jason rage party mode. No, not at all. What do you say? I hung out with Jason and Began and we were all out till like four AM. Oh, and were we got you? this text at four forty five saying that the Airbnb was trashed and that you were gone. That is this is okay, Monica, I'll take credit for being douchey near the photo booth. Absolutely, there's no way that I went dead sober with Adam and the family to get gelato and then came home and decided to fuck a random Italian Airbnb up. That is absurd. I think we have the wrong Airbnb. That's my theory. Okay, here. Mon- Monica, I. Josh and, 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 his, and his kids. Okay, the it, was, it was Josh. It was the kids. Monica, all right, at this point, we're going to put a pin in that topic, and now we're going to do a deep dive into your love life, both in Italy and after, okay? Oh, hell no. Oh, okay. Hell, what, did I get, I, what did I get into? Yeah. I, had a, I, I had a great wedding night. You did? That is what I'm going to say. Oh. Ooh, all right. Well, we're going to talk about you without you on 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 the phone, okay? Okay, then. You nah, I'm just, have- I'm just kidding. You can talk about us on your podcast. How about that? <laughs> yeah. The, I, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Monica. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye, Monica. Um, That's fucking funny. Was there any connection there? I heard a, a, a certain guest of the, the family or, or bride was, was patrolling the dance floor. Is there any connection to him and Monica? A certain guest of a certain guy with a neck tattoo might have been patrolling the dance floor. I heard. I don't. I, I honestly like. I heard a lot of different crazy drunken stories from the wedding. Yeah, and I I don't want to commit myself to any narratives. I heard a, a certain Armenian, a good looking Armenian man who almost certainly served in the military. I heard he was getting shady. I heard he was basically the only single guy getting shady at that wedding. I heard a lot of things, and I'm not going to commit myself to any of them. This person just tried to call me. Mm. Hello, Lena? Hi. Hi, you are on Sledge Lords. What's going on? Hi, Lena. Hi, Danny. I just figured it was only right that uh, I call you back since you tried to call me during this podcast. What, what, what's going on? Nothing. Your phone was just on do not, do not, on do not disturb, so I thought I could call you. Um, I'm watching the Minions movie, so I'm going to leave the room. With a sick baby. Yes. So I'm going to call in the other room. Our child is sick right now. Not an appropriate conversation. Okay. So what do you want to tell us? I don't know. What do you want to know? I don't know. We've been talking about you getting ravaged for a large percentage (laughs) of this podcast. Uh, Bye. Hi. Um, I feel like I'm 
feel good about the last couple of weeks. Uh, the scene is out. I feel a little like a sigh of relief. It's mm. over. It's been kind of uh, crazy having to read about us over and over and over again and people's thoughts about us because even though I don't agree, they are negative and they do kind of take a toll on you eventually. It doesn't feel any different. I was trying to think, like, what am I going to do with this money? And I really am I'm just going to fucking save it. Like, I don't have anything I want to get. Hell yeah. But it does feel good to have been able to get the internet to pay attention to us for a while because that's kind of hard to do. And I didn't even mean to. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to, we're probably going to keep chasing it, but it's just kind of a, a question of like, it's like being a drug addict. You just keep having to find harder and harder drugs to do. So you could probably expect Lena to be doing like, you know, an 18 guy gangbang within the next six months just because <laughs> she's going to be so addicted to the OnlyFans cash infusion, right? I mean, I don't know. It's a conversation for my husband. What does my husband want me doing with my body? Well, Adam said to me earlier, quote, the beach house is beckoning. I did not say that, but... <laughs> so I think that means an 18-man gangbang. How many BBCs does it take to have a beach house, babe? Mm, that's, a good, that's a good question. I think 16 will do it. I mean, we'd probably be all right without a BBC for the, the beach house. We would have been okay without the BBCs, but for sure that could probably get us there a little bit faster, yeah. I mean, if... I thought you were going to say we'd be okay without a beach house. I want a beach house. Mm, yeah, I mean, we would be all right without the beach house, too. I just worry that the beach house at some point could become a liability and that we would kind of regret it. But I mean, I'm always going to be the worry wart about any of these situations. I think mm. everything you acquire is a liability. Who cares? Um, yeah, who cares? Let's go know. bankrupt. Why, why is the beach house a liability? Sea levels rise. Well, those mor that mortgage is going to be expensive as fuck. Well, a lot true. of lot that's of true. money you're going to have to spend on uh, maintenance on a consistent basis. In L.A., a beach house just means proximity to crackheads too. Well, yeah, depending on what beach you buy the house on. Venice to Santa Monica, crackheads. Yeah, we aren't going down there. We're going to Malibu. Well, you're going to have to fuck a lot of black guys then. <laughs> Lena, how do you feel about the fact that we just got like a 12-minute a, a Monica interrogation on here? Oh, wait, you did call her. She's texting me right now saying they tried to call me. Uh, to talk about the, talk, I don't know what. The no, because you know how Danny allegedly fucked up Monica's Airbnb? Oh! Yes, yeah, I've heard about that. Untrue. You're going to have to watch Sledge Lords in order to see us discuss it. But, I mean, I feel like Danny came out of that looking like he was not the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't been in Danny's living space, but the story didn't seem to match up with the personality. But then I heard you were drunk, so I don't know. No. We already, again, as Adam said, I pleaded my case in a bulletproof fashion. I am the son of a judge, after all. But uh, the conclusion was basically that I was being a bit of an asshole at the ceremony, or excuse me, the uh, the party for the wedding, but I am not guilty of the crimes against the Airbnb. Okay, we'll never know. Monica has bad marks on her account anyways, I guess. So. It, it kind of sucks that I waited two months to confront Danny about this, because now it's going to be a lot harder for us to get at the truth about what happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's lost in time. Um, so... Everyone has been wondering what's been going on with you guys because you guys already talked about that because I've been curious, but you, you guys just couldn't meet up. Yeah, our schedule is just kind of all over the place. I've been kind of going overboard with making sure No Jumper becomes, uh, you know, a little bit more solid, and Danny's been kind of in, in comedian world. So, you know, it, it felt good, though. I don't think we, we, we didn't miss a beat. And right? also, I, I mean, I was really trying to make a play to get into your marital bedroom the night you guys wed, and me being rebuffed really left a sour taste in my mouth. Wait, you were trying to have a threesome with us on the night of our wedding? I told you that in multiple podcasts leading up. <gasps> that would have been great. I don't know if I could handle the Danny Adam threesome. Yeah, she doesn't work with white performers besides me. So. Well, you guys have just been making jokes the whole time. And I'm thinking, 
confused. I wouldn't be in the threesome. I just wanted to be hiding in the corner jerking off. Oh, I, I was doing that with her and Jason Love the other day. <laughs> what? I thought he wanted to be involved. If anyone's talking about a threesome with us, why wouldn't he want to be involved? Well, he does have DP experience. I'd have double vaginal oh. experience too. DB, so yeah. I am like a, a three-star general of the, the threesome world. There's something I'm very confident that I'm going to die having never done. Come on, dude. Double vaginal? No. I'm uh, not. I thought you meant a threesome with me. I was like, that's insulting, bro. That also is not super appealing. Come on, dude. Dude, I've got Lena on an anal training regiment now. Elaborate. I was trying to make a joke, but the truth I, I is much more I signed into a contract that says that we have to do X amount of anal per month. Adam's my agent. Um, have you fucked? You you did fuck her in the ass me. since Jason Love, right? Well, I fucked her in the ass last night. Yeah, it was pretty Hell revelatory. Yeah. yeah. Lube? Coconut oil. Coconut oil. Missionary or from like behind? Uh, coconut oil is awesome. Uh, anal missionary? Missionary and anal missionary. Okay. Mostly on her stomach and in spoon. I've heard that on the stomach hurts the most and missionary is the least painful. Okay, that got a little weird there towards the end, but uh, all right. What, what are we talking about? Ah, uh, fuck. I don't know. Monica joining the podcast. Yeah. Um, Monica joining the podcast. My innocence. My um, art. Our, our hiatus. Yeah, dude. Fucking. I, I don't know. It's good to podcast with you, man. I was excited about this. Hiatus. My anus. Hmm. Lena's anus. Lena's anus. Yeah. I have a date with that thing tonight. Again? I told her. I'm like, we gotta, we gotta go back to back. Why? I mean, we're supposed to film soon. Uh-huh. Anal. Yeah. And it's like a lot more pressure. Have you done that on camera before? Yeah, but like not the way that we want it to look. So we're like going to film it in the near future and mm -hmm. have like really on point angles and everything. So I'm kind of mm -hmm. excited about that. I told her, I'm like, we got to get that thing fully working off camera. What'd you think about it? You liked it? Um, I mean, honestly, like buttholes, I feel like I can like last a lot longer in her butthole than in her vagina. That's contrary to my experience. For really? me, I come away quicker. See, okay, but this is my thing about buttholes. Really tight upon entry, but then once you get in, kind of cavernous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vagina, now every vagina is different. And sometimes I fuck girls where like the walls of their pussy is not like that contracted. Yeah. One thing that I love about Lena she got some good walls. Uh, so your fucking penis is like really mashed uh -huh. in there with the walls. Uh -huh. So like when I'm fucking her in the ass, I can control it. I could, I, I swear to God, I could yeah. fuck her for two hours on camera mm -hmm. or, or just in general in the ass. She probably wouldn't want me to. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to vagina, I have to like be controlling myself quite a bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to stare at the ceiling. I got to try to think about a brick wall. I got to uh -huh. do whatever I can do to not nut, you know. Did the walls go the way of the Berlin Wall after the BBC? No, they, they, they seem to have Clipping. healed up pretty good. Hell yeah. If yeah. anything, she could use some some straightening. Yeah. She could use some sort of bracing to make it a little less tight in there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so really, in a lot of ways, Jason Love was my hired hitman. Nice, dude. <laughs> nice, man. It, it made your, uh, your, you a better love maker. But uh, yeah, the fucking anal, I don't know. For me, it's like a different texture. And I don't know if it's the texture itself or the novelty and the... The mental taboo factor that makes me finish quicker. Mm. But yeah, I think that's basically it. I, think, I feel like I'm more of an anal aficionado than you are. I haven't banged any other buttholes in many years. It's mm -hmm. just hers. Yeah. So I'm kind of like forgetting about like what other buttholes are like. I'm sure some buttholes are like very, I'm sure buttholes have walls uh -huh. at times. You, uh, no, I'll always remember there was a quote from uh, a high school buddy of mine, Chad Eisen, who he had sex with a girl named Tiffany Anderson and he fucked her up the ass. 
He was really, really psyched on it. And he told me right after he came out of the bedroom, I think his cock was still like, you know, dripping with feces. And he's like, Danny, the thing about anal, this is echoing what you said. He's like, "Uh, it's really tight when you put it in. But once you're in there, it's wide open spaces. There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. But I feel like he was a wise man. I think that second insertion sometimes. Like, we did anal last night, but as soon as I got it in there, I was yeah. not taking it out. A gay guy told me that once. He said, once you put it in, you can't pull out. Like, you yeah. just gotta come. Yeah, because, like, gay guys, if they're in a nightclub and they're, like, fucking a guy in the ass in the bathroom and they pull out, if shit comes out, exactly kills the boner. Yeah, that could fuck it up, yeah. Or it's like, are you gonna take your dick that has shit on it and just slam it back in there, you know? It's tough. And, and it's funny, because it even last night, everybody did anal, it's like, as soon as I step into the bathroom to hop in the shower, I'm, like, looking at it and, like, studying it from every angle. How to look. No feces. Clean. Which is like pretty impressive because we weren't planning on doing it. So she apparently had like a, a clean colon yeah. regardless, which I, I had a horrible experience with this girl when I was like, I think I was 19 and she was 20 and we dated for a few months and maybe like two months into the relationship, we end up doing anal and it was this like spontaneous spur of the moment thing. It was my first time ever doing anal. It was so hot, like one of my hottest sexual memories ever. And then, like, we had, like, a long-distance relationship. I see her maybe, like, two or three weeks later because she lives, like, a couple hours away at a different uh, town or going to college. And we do anal again. And when I pulled out this time, I had, like, a glob of shit on the end of my dick. And I laughed. I giggled. Like, (laughs) she starts bawling her eyes out and was so upset about me giggling at the poop, which, when I think about it now, if that happened with me and Lena... She wouldn't fucking bat an eyelash. Yeah. eyelash. Like she would see see the poop like and, and see me giggle at it. Yeah. Or whatever. Like who the fuck cares? This girl, it hurt her feelings so bad. And I felt horrible about it. But at the same time, I think about it now. I'm like, she was a little oversensitive there. It's an occupational hazard, another yeah. buddy of mine said about anal. Yeah. I, I had a night once where I'd I'd banged girl in the ass like three times, wow. like successively. And I mean, you're you just really blow your load in there every time. Yes, and, and I think I think even more fucked up. I was sort of like there was interplay between the vagina and the anus. Oh my god! But I mean, when you're doing this, it's uh, there's probably some poker analogy here that I could pull up that I don't know. But you are gambling mm-hmm. when you just keep entering that asshole as if it were a vagina. And on maybe the third session with the ass, I pull out and I'm laying there spent. All the lights are off in the room, and <laughs> this vile odor. After ravaging the asshole. this you ravaged vi- it. I did. Oh, that's this, great. And because I ravaged it so hard, this vile odor snakes its way up to my nostrils. And at first, I think maybe like, hey, it's just her asshole's a little dilated still. Worse than shit. It's the worst kind of shit. <laughs> but I, I thought like, I mean, it was shit, so it wasn't worse than shit. But I, I thought maybe at first it was just coming out of the, the anal cavity because the anal cavity had been dilated. But... Uh, the smell keeps coming up to my nose and getting worse and worse. And I I slide off the bed and go into the bathroom, close the door and turn the light on. And my cock looks like I just had sex with a mud puddle. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's not all like liquidy either. It looks like there are chunks of like a moss and clay like that like i just fucked an earthy mud puddle wow there is matter on my penis a lot of it oh yeah that, i mean that's the best though because like i all right i have a memory of there used to be this bar that we would go to all the time like 2013 2014 ish i bring home a girl she's not particularly good looking but she was blatantly down to have sex with me so i uh-huh. bring her back to the crib did you detest her 
I think in some ways I detested her. I don't know if I spoke to her enough to really like know if I detested her. But we start fucking, and then I don't know how we got to it, but she says, like, fuck me in the ass. Boom, I'm fucking in the ass. Hell All yeah. of a, she, she told me you could put it back in my pussy. All the, I'm going back and forth, pussy to ass, over I and over and over. Story. And I, I, I never spoke to her again. I think I might have seen her at the bar after that and gave her like a nod, like uh, didn't even give her a hug. Like uh, she was drinking a vodka cranberry. And to deal I with always, that UTI. I always wonder, like, am I gonna have this girl come out of the woodwork one day and be like, he gave me Ebola by going back and forth between my ass and my vagina? Like, because to me, the amount that I was going back and forth was like impossible. Like unreal like how is your asshole that stretchy and how yeah. are you so okay with me basically depositing whatever is in there yeah. into your reproductive organs yeah yeah i mean you basically you got to be unemployed if you're willing to take that kind of risk as a chick yeah like i mean if you have any sort of job to show up to like yeah. you're going to be in excruciating pain and need medication come monday morning right so like you have to be like a real tramp to oh. accept a treatment like that exactly i wonder what that woman's doing now because i would love to like go to her facebook and see her in a nice healthy relationship with some guy but i don't know her name and i never did so. <laughs> dude it's it's very possible she's in a healthy relationship like yeah, yeah. dude i i'm starting to realize that now like the next chick i date has to be in an age where she's had the phase where a guy like adam 22 uh, fucked her in the ass and then the vagina back and forth for yes, an entire night yeah. yes because otherwise like she's always going to be wondering in her mind like what does it feel like to get sodomized and then regular fucked and then mm. sodomized again you need that's why i always say i want a girl with some miles under her belt i yeah. want a girl who's done her thing for a significant portion of time not because i like need her to have been a slut but it's just like i don't think you really want to end up in a relationship with a girl who's always going to be wondering what it's like to do all this stuff and also imagine me dating a girl at some point who's not extremely sexually experienced I mean, like, she's going to be horrified by the things that roll off of my tongue like yeah. it's nothing. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're a sick fucking bastard. I got a lot of fucked up stories, you know? Yeah, I, I can't, I probably can't date a chick who's still going through her bar phase. Oh, yeah. Because, like, the bar phase, it's just like, I mean, how does that work? Like, she goes out and I feel like an old man going to bed at 10 p.m.? Yeah. That that, that probably can't be the case. Yeah. And not not because I'm jealous, but just like eventually the chick's going to be like, why is this loser fucking going to sleep so early? I, I had that experience when I was in my bar, my bar years, I guess you could call it, where like I would meet girls at the bar and, you know, we'd end up fucking like before you even really get to know each other. You know, you're just hanging out drunk and shit in the bar. You end up going home and banging a couple of times and stuff. And then I would sometimes try to institute like, hey, it's a Tuesday night. Maybe we don't get fucked up tonight. Maybe you just come over to the crib and we like watch a movie or yeah. watch some Netflix oh. and hang out, wow. and, you, know, you know, and like a lot of times those girls who are like real deal bar fiends, yeah. they just did not even have the ability to chill and watch Netflix. Like yeah. it just wasn't happening. They just, they were too, they were alcoholics basically. Yeah, yeah. And they just didn't know how to, like their personality just sucked when you actually got them into an environment where they were supposed to be able to yeah. operate without alcohol. Yeah. That, that's something I thought about, too, is like, what kind of girl would I even want in the future? Because there are two extremes. You can get a chick who's just like basically a hot chick who likes to go out and go to bars and just sort of wants to marry a guy who's well off. Mm -hmm. Or you can get a chick on the opposite end of that who works 80 hours a week and is a girl boss. Mm. And it sounds like the women you experienced in your youth were definitely of the former category. And I don't really know which one I would want. Cause it mm. seems like both have their drawbacks. Yeah, definitely. Or you could get yourself someone who wants to get married and have kids, but then also wants to occasionally get ravaged by a BBC. <laughs> Sludge Lords. 